Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake me up when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door. In as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. On today's episode of the podcast, we are joined by 1FC flyweight fighter Reese Lightning McLaren. Uh, Reese has been on an absolute tear since he joined the 1FC or One Fighting Championship, uh, which is one of the, well, it is basically Asia's biggest sporting championship. Um, It's kind of one of those cases where he's known super well through Asia, uh, through what he's been able to do in the cage as a mixed martial artist, but not a lot of people uh, in his own country actually know about Reese. Uh, he was originally from Christmas Island. He's then moved over to the mainland full time uh, and got crazy into grappling and jiu-jitsu and then that led him into uh, a mixed martial arts career. So we hooked up through the boys at Author Supply Co uh, and we've been wanting to get Reese on the podcast before he gets uh, a title shot at that flyweight uh, division. So this is, a, a, I guess, another grappling jiu-jitsu heavy podcast. We kind of didn't really initially intend it to be that, uh, but I just didn't realize how uh, deep Reese still was and how into uh, grappling and jiu-jitsu he is. He got his black belt at 25, which is just ridiculous. Um, so yeah, it was a super interesting chat and um, yeah, I definitely enjoyed it and I hope you guys do too. Sounded good, son. Reese McLaren, welcome to the Gypsy Tales podcast, son. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah. Uh, so we hooked up via the author boys. So got to give a quick shout out to uh, Nick and Jake, the boys. The boys. Yeah, the boys. How did you get involved with them? Because you're an author-sponsored athlete. I is. Uh, basically, just training with them. Um, yeah, okay. Through Puma and Empire. Yep. Uh, met Nick through, through the beautiful art of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and sparked up a, a really good uh, friendship yeah he's one of those guys so i've only met him recently and it's through the podcast like so uh, i think jake started listening to the podcast and then they sort of got turned onto it as a whole and then we've actually become like really good mates with the boys like they're just they're those kind of guys that are so um like inviting with jujitsu they want to like spread they want to help anyone that's like really serious about it and that's kind of just like the category that i fell into with them and um and then yeah now they're like helping with the podcast like they're a super cool group of dudes yeah yeah uh, it's kind of funny if you find a lot of people that like that in in jujitsu and they're definitely two of the most three uh, yeah most warmest dudes i think that sure. i think that with with jujitsu is like 
we were even just talking like before we started about you kind of get those like weird dudes in the gym that come in and they've kind of always got that point to prove or whatever and it's like i think that that can only that is only a certain lifespan in turn like they just don't last that long like they're not the kind of guys that go on to get like blue belts and purple belts because i think that when you've got an ego like that where you can't help other people you have to squash everyone that you roll against like i think that it's one of those things where like you're always gonna lose like when you're at a gym and you're like a white belt blue belt purple belt brown belt that any black belt is still gonna smash you so i think that when you're one of those people that has an ego it just you can't get it battered as many times as it gets battered in jiu-jitsu yeah you, you only get so far i think with, with that sort of mentality i think it comes down to an openness to learn and mm. they just don't they don't really have it like they'll probably get a blue belt or they'll get injured and they'll leave so <laughs> yeah it's both the same thing sometimes for some people they it's, get that blue belt and they they go that's that's enough of an achievement for them because mm. man it is hard to get a blue belt but i think Super. that i think that it's i don't want to say like easy to get to a blue belt level but a blue belt level of jiu-jitsu is not like a super high level of jiu-jitsu in, in the overall scheme of things so i think you can get to that level fairly quickly but to actually put in the time at a at a academy and go you know get the hours up that you need to get graded so i think that that is more of an achievement in terms of like the I guess the the way you've got to attend and stuff as opposed to just the, the technical side of it. Yeah, I, I try to believe that those people, they forget just being on the mats is a win. Mm. Just, just being there. You're beating the person on the couch yeah, every sure. day of the week. Yeah. Um, so you got, obviously we'll give a little bit of background into the in the intro of the podcast, but you're a, a, a flyweight fighter in the uh, 1FC, which is basically like the asian version of the ufc right because dude so before this podcast came about i started watching your fights and stuff and i'd never the only fight that i'd watched in one fc was gary tonan's debut yeah crazy wasn't it yeah so but i didn't like kind of associate the you know that organization with anyone else or anything else i just watched that one fight and then when this podcast came about i was like okay well i'm gonna go through and, and watch your fights but fuck the one fc has it going on dude yeah yeah uh one championship i think they are well they are the biggest asian uh sporting media ever it's crazy like, to date ever and they've just done this massive deal with japan where, where it goes on tv prime time 6 30 can you believe that in japan 6 30 prime time tv it now goes to the philippines pretty much prime time 8 30 yeah and it's every every bout's free on the app so yeah it's, yeah it's crazy yeah and i've been dude i've been going through like a rabbit hole of of one fc fights or one championship fights because it's all like on their facebook yeah all so, there. I, I watched I, maybe i didn't watch all your fights but i watched like a lot of your fights i watched that the gary tonan fight then i went through and kind of watched a couple other random dudes like there's some legit guys in that championship yeah 100 percent. i think there's some if not the best flyweights in the world mm. are in one championship uh, one championship yeah 100% yeah i think that from what i gathered watching fights i think that in that those lower weight divisions for sure like that's a there's some crazy talent in there Stacked. that's that's up there with the level of the ufc i think yeah i think if if anything better mm. so who's the flyweight champ demetrius right now right yeah for the ufc and then we've got um jay hay 
mm. Destructrio. Be sick to see, like, oh, I mean, it's obviously probably not going to happen, but it'd be cool if you got to get, like, some uh, crossovers where yeah. they would do just, like, championship deals. Promotion v. promotion. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Like, could be pretty sick. <laughs> Why? But, because I think that for a long time, the UFC was, like, it. They kind of, they bought out all the other organizations. They kind of really, they really moved to monopolize the the whole mixed martial arts world. But I think now, like, dude, I've been, I've been doing, like, watching Bellator fights that just like I'd watch UFCs. Like, before it used to, like, I'd never get main event Bellator. I'd never really go out of my way to watch it. Yeah. But I'd watch the replays and stuff like that. But now I'm like... I'm, I'm in yeah, on some, yeah. of the, some of the Bellator stuff and you start getting a little bit um, invested in the divisions like the middleweight division with uh, Musashi and, and McDonald. It's like that could be the UFC fight right yeah, there. Yeah, like yeah. it's crazy. It's it's a funny one. Promotions have such control. Like the boxing, you almost go to watch uh, Mikey Garcia fight. Like you, you don't go to a ufc like mm. it's really weird i think it's just because it's such a new sport yeah the only draw that i can really see is like gsp you go to watch gsp yeah, yeah. fight or conor mcgregor but it's kind of like yeah i don't know i don't know how far the sport's gonna go with with like purses and, and whatnot but everyone's like oh boxing's dead but is it i mean they've got a ban on weight world um, grand prix going on at the moment with the best banner weights in the world i think it's mm. Well, I think the, the problem that you get with boxing, right, is like for a fan, it's kind of, you have to really be like deep to kind of get all the shit that's going on with like all the different promotions, all the different fighters, the way that they kind of structure it. But it's almost like the UFC just said, okay, let's just dumb this down. All the fighters fight under one banner. There's no different organizations. Like WBO, yeah, IBF, all these different commissions. Exactly. It's just like, let's just give it one rule set, one thing. All the fighters go on these cards because I think that's the other thing about boxing is it's like Mayweather-McGregor. I didn't watch any fight underneath that card. I mean, I, I did, but I wasn't really watching it. You know, like we were all kind of just drinking beers and hanging yeah, out. Yeah. So it's like, but I don't think that that's how it works with the UFC. Like I'll watch that card. I'll watch... Fox the fight pass then I'll watch prelims then I'll watch the main event yeah I'm watching like six hours of of fights because it's kind of I don't know it's like easy to follow it's under that brand and, and they hype a card not a fight yeah as, yeah well they obviously hype the fights but it's all under the banner of UFC 226 or yeah. 228 and you get invested in that whole card they're showing all of the the stories I feel like it's so much more about the main event in in boxing it's a funny one. I had a friend go over and watch the McGregor. I can't remember who he's fighting in Las Vegas. And he reckons that every belt, people just disappear. What do you mean? Yeah, he said it was really, really weird. He reckons it was almost quite sad. Like, everyone kind of rocked up and then they were just like, eh, blase about it. And then before Connor went out or whatever, everyone just disappeared and went off to get drinks and whatever. Oh, yeah. Well, there was a uh, already fight going on. Yeah. And then it kind of was just like, oh, we were just waiting for Connor. Then once Connor come, boom, everyone come back. Yeah, yeah. Fight was over, gone again. Yeah. So he reckons it was really, really bizarre. Well, I guess it's just he's such a rare dude. He's so rare. He's special. Yeah, he's in that super, super, super star. Like, he's attracting the kind of fan that doesn't actually give a fuck about mixed martial arts like they're yeah. just there to watch, watch Conor McGregor yeah. and it'd be the same if I went to a basketball game 
and I go to the Lakers, I'm going to watch LeBron. Yeah, like, I'm not 100%. really going to watch basketball. And I think that that's, like, a good thing in terms of, like, we've got somebody that has captured that many people's attention yeah, and bringing the sport a whole new sort of light. But then, yeah, you get that thing where it's like the stands kind of go empty for the other fighters. But it's, I guess it's one of those things to where at least they've got a toe in now. And just the fact that they're in that stadium to support McGregor means that it might have like that trickle-down effect to where they see a crazy knockout and then the fight before and then all of a sudden they're a, you know, Michael Venom Page fan or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So, but it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely, I think, why the UFC grew so quick is because it was just simple it was just simple to follow people that didn't and like we can all um like would you say that boxing is more of a match and it's like you can kind of like it's hard to tell sometimes who's winning a a boxing like a really high level boxing fight but it's pretty obvious in the ufc who's winning because it's it's more of like what we'd see in like a street fight like that do if a dude's on top of another guy punch him in the face like it's super obvious as to who then is like doing the damage and winning the fight as opposed to like trading jabs you know what i mean yeah it's 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 a hard one like on the weekend it's we still have this discussion shout out to my boy blackie i thought you had it man dude i want to talk about that that was some bullshit but. it's it's almost like if I, if I use that as an example it's a hard one to tell sometimes like it, the two sports are so very different yeah to to me mixed martial arts is as pure as a as a fight can be mm. well boxing is like an it's a match more. yeah yeah, yeah. It, it's like you've taken away everything and made it very specific to just one sort of attribute of a fight yeah so to me it's 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 a hard one to sort of compare the both but yeah. it's also in the same breath it's kind of like yeah i think so and so's got that yeah but like so the, the black let's get into the blackie fight yeah for sure so we have this discussion afterwards and we're like, well, who was winning the exchanges trying to go for the takedown mm. and then the guy was getting up? Yeah. Did he get him down? Did he not? Who wins that exchange? Does the guy getting back up win that? Or does the guy who got the takedown win that? Mm. So it's, yeah, it's a very, very difficult one and you've almost got to think which way are the judges looking at it. Mm. But I think that that's part of the problem is that there is still subjectivity in in the judging and it's like yeah it it isn't clear because so we'll give some background on it so aaron blackie who is a good mate of yours author teammate he fought was it last weekend the weekend before yeah um in what's the promotion eternal eternal yeah so it was eternal 38 or something so they were um the co-main event and blackie was four and oh he's like on a roll and like a champion judo like his wrestling game is is crazy so he goes in decides that he's gonna take down his opponent but his opponent was a really good wrestler as he's, well yeah he's so, very very clearly very good oh and very the, good they got into a really high level chess match yeah, of, of wrestling against the cage yeah yeah and this is i guess it's it's a problem in mma because people don't necessarily like want to see the um the wrestling side of things they want to see more of the knockouts like so the crowd then that there's always this awkward thing where the ref feels like they have to be in control of the action and i think that when you see it like Derek lewis versus uh 
Nganu the other day. Snooze fest. Yeah. I'm glad I didn't watch that one, to be honest. <laughs> it was it was it was terrible, man. But what um like the ref like Herb Dean stepped in and said, like, you guys have to work. But I mean, there's like nothing being done. There's not they're just walking around it at a distance and throwing these like little air jabs at each other. But with Blackie, he was there was full contact. These boys are like wrestling and, and they're they're fighting. But it's just in a different way. And there's a reason you're not throwing punches in that exchange is because every single thing that you've got is going to avoiding getting on the ground. So it's there's such a struggle for position. And it's like the the referees feel like this awkward responsibility to then pull them apart. And it's like, well, that's not what this is. Like, yeah, the fight's supposed to start in the middle, but you can't dictate where these fighters take it after that. And if someone's not working, then I, I get it. But they're working when they're against the cage like that yeah Zach look for me it's who wins you being held against the fence or you holding someone against the fence I always think the guy holding the guy against the fence is winning yeah and that's that's just the way way it is I was man it was it was a bummer for that and like you can even see like when the guy won the fight he looked so surprised like I was sitting uh with Nick and we were they were facing us as they read the decision and we were the first table. Like you could see in his face, he was so surprised that he won. That should be a, a telltale sign right there. I think that regardless that Aaron probably wouldn't have been happy with his performance, but I still think that he should be 5-0, and not 4-1. and Yeah, look, I think he did enough. He definitely won the first and he, I thought he had the second. Uh, got a little bruised up in that in that third but mm. still two rounds to one yeah and i think with that third well he got clipped with that uppercut real early in yeah, the first yeah. and then i think that that took him i think that his game plan was gonna be to stand up use his stand up to set up a takedown and then from there he'd do what he's done in every fight which is submit in the first round so i think that when that when that guy hit him with that uppercut i think he went away from the use the stand-up to set up the takedown and then he just went full comp judo mode and tried to get the takedown just like by kind of steamrolling him so but then when you they get into the third round so Aaron controlled him against the cage for the first two rounds the third round they break and get into an exchange and yeah Aaron got clipped they a couple times each other but the they smashed there. each other yeah. like well, that was hard to pick I thought Aaron was gonna knock him out in that in the very last couple couple seconds me too he was on his on his uh on his bike backwards well I thought it was it was a crazy round because I thought at the start of the third that Aaron was gonna get knocked out I was like damn like he's getting clipped and then he just finds that second wind comes back and then yeah you're right he had old mate on his heels so it was uh it was a crazy fight and i just i yeah i was i was as shocked as the guy who won that he actually did win but i mean that's how it goes you're in a judge sport at the end of the day yeah it's, uh, i don't like judges look I, I was lucky in my last one to get a split decision finally got one my way mm. i was zero and two for splits yeah and it just gave me this real feeling that, you know judges it's is they it's at the end of the day it's kind of an opinion it is yeah and it's the way that they've interpreted the 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 belt and you know, it's just an opinion i don't care much for <laughs> yeah <laughs> if that no, makes and you, sense and you shouldn't uh, you know what i mean so they're reading out split and that sucks yeah because i mean it could go either way at that uh, point like big time it i mean it's one of those things like you're not really 
no one, no fighters planning on winning in the judges' hands. Like, there's, there's no, I don't think there's any, like, it's just, it's not safe. It's not a safe way to win because it is almost like, unless you're just dominating the entire, the entire fight and setting the pace, then it's like, you, you're going to be nervous because, man, we've seen some dog shit calls from, from refs even yeah, recently. Some, yeah, some mixed ones. I thought our boy had it, Jesse. I thought he, he'd done enough two rounds. You got how down in the third, yeah, fair enough. But I, I, he got the two takedowns and and controlled pretty much the whole the whole mm. bout again. But uh, you know, man, judges, I don't know what they watch sometimes. Just don't. Well, I mean, it's the other thing is is just like what are, is their experience with competitive martial arts? And it's like you're right because it, it is what someone is doing. Because I mean, there's even times like in jujitsu, like with me, I'm straight on my back. And then you'll get, like, I'll put stuff up on my Instagram of, like, winning a comp or whatever. And then all my friends will be like, oh, man, I thought you were losing so bad. And then it's like, no, nah, like, that's me. That's where I want to be. Like, yeah, I want to yeah. be on my back and kind of moving around and, and setting stuff up. Like, that's where I'm more comfortable. So it's, like, it, it's very subjective then to be like, well, is the guy that's on top automatically the guy that should win? It's like, not really. There's no. Like a Damien Meyer, he doesn't... He's cool to be on his back. Like, there's so many guys that... W- when they're on their back and you're in the vicinity of them, they're winning regardless. It's it's that guard thing. So, it's like they say, guard's the new top mm. for, for jiu-jitsu and especially sports jiu-jitsu. A lot yep. of your points are from guard. A lot of your submissions are from guard. There's very little from, from a side control and whatnot. So, yep. it's kind of like... I think TJ said it best is like you've got to make your your takedown count. If you take someone down and just lay on them and, and not do anything, well, and they get back up, it's almost like well they've they've won that exchange then. Yeah, you you've really got to make the takedown count. Mm, big time. Speaking of that, your fight, what um, there's the one I texted you where you did like that knee tap straight to mount straight into an arm triangle. That was like one of the most gangster finishes I've ever seen. Yeah, just kind of fell into it yeah i've been finding mount that way uh, quite strangely yeah and i can't just touch wood that just keeps happening <laughs> yeah well it's like when you when you go in for those takedowns like you're punching your way in and then like it's a really weird takedown the way that you do that because it's almost like there's an overhand right that that comes sort of over but that's just setting up you grabbing that single knee and then you just keep driving to where it's almost like momentum passes the legs and you do end up in mount. And then if you if you got that underhook on the way down, then it's like sets up that arm triangle like yeah, right there. Very sweet. It's basically, I think, the future of, of wrestling for MMA. Yeah. You've got to set it up with your punches. Yeah. If you can't set anything up with your punches or even exit with punches, then you've pretty much ruined your shot. Yeah. So it's it's... If you almost look at the concept of throwing dust in someone's face, mm. the hands come up, there's their legs. You, the tunnel to the legs is open. Yep. Which is a pretty amazing thing to, to find. And how, like, you're setting up, like, you're one of the guys that, when I was, like, watching your fights, there, there's a real commitment to takedowns too. Like, it's it, it blew me away when I was watching how aggressive you went after these takedowns and it, does that come from like a confidence in striking because you're so confident with the punches on the way in that even 
if he shuts it down, like you're kind of, you're still at that range and where you sort of want to be. It's a funny one. It's more confidence in my shot. Yeah. My wrestling ability. Plus jujitsu background. If you get put on your back, you're pretty comfortable to just to get back up. Yeah. I think it's a bit of an MMA floor to accept going on your back, accept mm. the takedown. Yeah. You should fight that thing right to the end. And then halfway through fighting it, you usually will find a reversal. Yeah. Or create a scramble. Sort yeah, of thing. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And if, if you can do that, then you, you have the ability to stand back up. Mm. So I guess to give people some background, like whereabouts are you at in your career? Obviously we've said that you're fighting in the one championship, but whereabouts are you in that whole flyweight kind of ecosystem right now? It's pretty much, I was offered a world title shot in January. Yep. Um, the guy said no. So then we re- they rescheduled that. So the champion said no. Yeah, he said it was too close to his last belt. Mm. Blah, 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 blah. Funny thing was, I fought on the same night that he did. So it was, it was an eight-week difference. I think he wanted to enjoy Christmas. Yeah. So I went, oh, well, I'll enjoy Christmas too. We got rescheduled to go in March, and he pulled out, I think it was a week or so before the event. So then they come up with a replacement. Yeah. So we, we took it. I mean, birds fly fish swim fighters fight yeah and then day i feel like if anything the champ saying no is also he's handing it over so yeah. i think you know what i mean you're the champ now basically so i kind of went in with that mentality um got the job done thankfully and then we were promised another shot we were then asked if we wanted to wait i said no let's, let's go again uh so i fought again in china I guess three weeks ago or so. Yeah. Uh, now I'm just sitting and hoping that I, I get the next shot. So who is the current champ? Uh, current champ's a guy by the name of Jay Hay Istakrio. Mm. If I said that right, from the Philippines. Yeah. Okay. Now he won a split decision against Adriano Morales, who yeah. was the champ. So if it's a split decision, I don't know if they're going to make them rematch or, or whatever, but I'm hoping they don't. I think he should go back to the end of the bus and I get I finally get my shot, yep. which would be nice. Have you fought for the title yet? Not the flyweight, but I have fought for the bantamweight title. Yeah, okay. Because I, th- I thought you'd you'd lost a five-round fight with yeah, that. Yeah, split decision. Split decision, yeah, okay. Damn, so you've been close. Very close. Very, very close. It's almost, I feel, the timing was right for the champ then. I was just starting to find my feet yeah. in this sport, which is if the way that I look at it, I was only really training full time for maybe a year and a half when I when I fought for that for that world title. Mm. And the guy I fought against, Bibiana Fernandez, is phenomenal. I think he was a black belt world champion, like four time world champion in two thousand two thousand three. Mm. I can't even remember what I was doing in two thousand three. I think I was like fourteen or something. Yeah. So uh, the timing was was better for him, I think. If we went again now, I think it'd be a different story. And I'd, I'd like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I know this is competitive nature that the improvements and everything is just starting to really find my own feet. So yeah, training now full time, coming up to four years and and everything. I think it's just yeah, it's storm season. 
yeah, I guess there's, there is those times in your life where you kind of opportunities come. It's like with the podcast, right? So I'll get some people that will like send me a message and say like, God, man, I needed to hear that. Like, blah, 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 blah. But there's so many people that heard the exact same thing, like thousands and thousands and thousands of people. But this one dude took that one thing. It's like he needed to hear that at that particular point in his life. So I think that, yeah, it's like things come at you and it's got to line up where you're at, where it's at for it to actually work. So I feel like it, it kind of makes sense to, to, I guess, apply that same thing with fighting to where it's like, yeah, you know, you, you've got, got that title shot, but it's like, you just might not have been ready for everything that kind of came with it. Yeah. Almost like you, if you're playing a video game and you can rush it mm. rather than going out and getting the, the skill and whatever the, or the, uh, strength attributes and, uh, get the better weapons or whatever. You kind of just go in, boom, and you're in, and you're finding the boss. Yeah. It's kind of like, Oh, you rushed it a little bit, bro. Yeah. Now you got yeah. to the boss and you don't have all the right <laughs> shit. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess like, the, the confidence, the mental um, kind of resilience that you build up over time as well. Because, like, that was one thing I, I was going to mention. Like, you watch you fight and there's time... Like, you're in there and you're, like, smiling and shit. And it's, like, this fun... Like, you're so light. And it looks, it looks like you're playing badminton with one of your friends and not in a cage trying Punching to on. <laughs> yeah, knock someone out so it's like that's a weird headspace to get in man and I, I tell people too like since competing in jiu-jitsu like obviously you have a respect for the ufc and the athletes but i think that doing a combat sport even though the stakes are so much lower in jiu-jitsu when you're in that bullpen and you're staring at your opponent and then they're looking at you and you know that you've got to fight that dude in like five minutes and there's such like a really crazy weird roller coaster of emotions that you go on and like you pretty much spend that entire time just trying to keep a handle on it and then you get in there and you see some di- some dudes like freeze up or tense up some dudes do what you do and it like is this super fun kind of light relaxed moment so it's like i don't know did you ever have that that time where like you were shit scared or has it just been this thing where naturally your whole life as soon as you got into the those kind of like combat sports situations you were just having fun yeah it's it's a funny one i get asked this a lot i think it's just a thing of being present mm. it's almost like the more present you can be the more uh, more ability you'll be able to show yeah because you, you're right there you've got nothing else to worry about mm. growing up i always had a friend that used to go i don't care i don't care what do you think of this i don't care and also man you should care you should care about almost everything in your life whether you know you put your phone down you should almost care that it's maybe going over you know just being yeah, neat, yeah, neat yeah. with things. Like if I, I rock up to the gym and I fold my clothes, put them down, and I watch other people and they just throw their crap everywhere. And it's kind of like, man, you should be caring about this because people come in from, from, not the street, but parents come in with their kids and they see the kids see your clothes everywhere and they start doing that. Yeah. It's almost like, how you do anything, how you do everything. Yeah. Okay. So I think you should always, you know, set an example, set set your standards as high as you can. Yeah. And then that will correlate to, to when, you, when you're when you competing. Wait until you have a sour moment because you have sour moments in jiu-jitsu. I had a few. Uh, what moment? Like a sour moment. Yeah. I'll okay. be competing or whatever and you might accidentally cop an elbow or whatever and you almost look at them and then sometimes they apologize, sometimes they don't. 
you do maybe you've elbowed them which happened once for me and the guy pushed me off got up and wanted to fight bad news bro i was like oh, oh <laughs> hey what? and then they stopped the bell and they, they talked to us and then i was like oh, i don't want to do this anymore <laughs> i'm yeah. like oh, you get paid to fight you don't want to fight anyone for, for no reason anymore it's like, it's like oh so this was when you were like a mixed martial artist professionally yeah. and then you were still doing jujitsu yeah, yeah yeah i thought it was always important to compete as much as you could yeah uh, especially always, in a like a low risk situation yeah yeah if, if the reward's high and the risk is low i, th- I always thought go for it yeah it's like hard sparring like this morning got a bit of reward bit of a humbling experience really if anything yeah and then that was always jujitsu so competing so much in jujitsu you, you almost find like a calmness in it yeah and then you have sour moments like that and they're talking to you and you're almost like oh he's gonna try and come out real hard now and they do and you just counter it or whatever and yeah and you go on with your business but it, it's yeah i don't know it, it's it's a funny one well i think that like so i've got a friend of mine um his son axel competes i've spoken about him a couple of times on here he's ranked world number one now in grappling industries under 19 or under 18 for gi and no gi he's only like 11 so like he's a savage and um he the journey that he's been on since he started jiu-jitsu is like this scared little kid and not like he was scared of everything but in the jiu-jitsu sense like he was going to a comp he was super nervous didn't want to lose like that you see it with a lot of kids when they start competing yeah yeah and then you like fast forward 18 months to this version of him that's now the world number one and like i laugh man i go to his his dad's instagram page and he's just like mean mugging these kids (laughs) but not like to be a dick but he's just got this stone cold killer face and now like he goes out and competes and he's not flustered he's not rattled he's not scared it's like that's his thing now that you know he's kind of found that zone and it's just it's interesting then because you find that zone in jiu-jitsu because like you can get hurt obviously and people get injured all the time but it's a different kind of thing to it's not as violent and aggressive as the stand-up side of things and getting kicked in the face obviously but for you to develop that kind of calmness in that super extreme situation. I just find that so interesting to, I guess the headspace you have to sort of force yourself into to enjoy that enough to do it again. For me, I've always, it's almost like if we're sitting here right now, it's like, cool. But when you're in a situation where everything's on the line, that's all you have to worry about. So it's almost like this feeling of being alive. Mm. And I think if you can find something that makes you feel alive, do it. Yeah. If jumping out of an airplane makes you feel alive, do it. If playing video games makes you feel alive, 100% do it. Yeah. So is that then your thing that that gives you that that feeling? And stuff in everyday life doesn't give you that same feeling that being in the cage does. Yeah, it's it's again it's it's a really 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 strange one. It's like how do I put it? You should almost have like a, a the feeling so unique mm. that it's almost like I don't know if you should be chasing that feeling in in everything. I think it should be special. Yeah, and I hope it never changes. Yeah, so it's almost like yeah, I don't know. It's it's just so unique. Man, you know, like, it was crazy. Just on the drive here, 
So we were talking last night about a friend of mine that he did like these crazy like drug experiences with like ecstasy and sex and like he was and he was saying like it was it's like the craziest craziest feeling ever like it was so uh such an intense experience that it was like one of the best experiences of his life and uh, it was like with his partner and, and whatever and but then he's like oh you can you can get in trouble if you chase that feeling like every weekend and then we had another friend was kind of chiming in and he was saying that he's got a friend that's got a, a drug problem yeah. now because especially with a drug like cocaine, you do it a lot and then you don't you don't get the same feeling from it. And then I sort of was thinking about it on the drive here and I was like, man, it's sort of one of those things where it's like that's so good. You can't have that all the time. That's yeah. too much for your system. And then when you start chasing it, overindulge on it yeah then it's like that's when it really turns into a thing because in my head i was trying to think i was like all right so am i a smarter person to know that that temptation is there and that once you get that crazy crazy high it's going to be really hard to get again so is it smarter to just not go after it knowing the facts or is the trick to to have that experience but know what that experience is and that it's not supposed to be something that you have all the time so is that a similar relationship with fighting it's like you can't fight like that every day no but it's like you need to have that build up and then you earn that thing and then you let it be what it is and then you go away from it again yeah i think for long jeopardy you don't burn out that way uh it's 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 so crazy i mean there's not a lot of other things that are similar yeah to, to to it to fighting competing yeah well it's about as extreme an activity as as you can do and, I mean, and i think like i always say this to people about jiu-jitsu is like the, you go, you, you're in a competition and you're trying to do this thing but that person also knows that thing that you know yeah so it's like it's a gnarly thing to like you almost go up against like a version of yourself yeah because they technically should know the things that you know they weigh the same amount that you do they train the same way like obviously there's variants of how hard people train fitness yeah but like people are uh, supposed to be at a certain level like when you reach the flyweight level that you are in one fighting championship then you're expected to be pretty fucking good at fighting so is it is it like it's crazy because it's almost like you fight a version of yourself yeah i guess we were just saying that sort of becomes like you're not um yeah that's him got him yeah you, you're not like just fighting a dude that doesn't know the things that you know it's like they're they're as skilled up as you and it's sort of they've, really becomes about like this kind of mirror effect like they've, they've got dreams as well mm. it's it's almost the sport of killing dreams this um it's a crazy saying that you know fatigue makes cowards of us all mm. if you're done the hard work your confidence should be on a different level or you should believe it is i think when it comes down to it to to the nitty-gritty of the of the bell of, of the fight it's is who does have that bigger heart who did put the harder work in and mm. how much more do you want this i think that's what it comes down to and a lot of that's just just in the gym 
you've pretty much almost won the fight six weeks mm. leading up to it, which is what no one sees. All that hard work, all that dieting. We had the boys weigh in last night. And no one sees that they've dieted for eight. I think this camp was an eight-week camp. The camp before that was eight weeks and then the show got cancelled. Mm. So then he had a week off and then went back in. So it was almost like a 16-week camp. Yeah. And it, it for me, it's, it's always come down to... I, I just... Even for my last one, we, we got over to China and the guy's like, oh, how was the camp? Rah, rah, rah. We went, yeah, it was great. Great camp. Wait, where'd you go? It's home, bro. <laughs> it's like, what do you mean, where'd we go? Right here. The, the thing with it is if you find somewhere where you connect with everyone and you have a good team around you, mm. I'll always, I've always believed in trying to surround yourself with positive, like-minded people. Like a motivated individual is dangerous, but a motivated individual that surrounds himself with motivated individuals yeah way more dangerous yeah so it's almost if you, if you can find a place like that you almost carry that into the fight once you've you know you've done the hard work you've made weight you've you've done everything you can you turn over every stone if you will mm. that when it comes down to the fight sure you might be going there for someone with the equal skill the equal but are you really yeah but who because that, there is someone that is going to be better yeah like there is no like that one lucky punch might come into play. Yeah, that's true. You know, sometimes people say, oh, I'd rather be lucky than skillful. Mm-mm. But it's kind of like, yeah, look, I wouldn't mind a bit of luck, but I'd rather be skillful. But you can make your own luck with skill. 100%. So, but it's funny that you say that because I definitely, like when I started jujitsu, like I had no intentions of doing comps. Like it wasn't even really, honestly, wasn't even on my radar. Like it was only through uh, Judd and Axel that competitive jujitsu was like I even sort of knew what it was but even knowing that I was like well I'm not gonna do that I'm just gonna go and train but it was like two months man and I was on on the, on the mat on the comp and but I what I put it down to is like and I've said this to a couple of the dudes that I train with because there's guys at the gym that they go above and beyond for you yeah yeah they really help you like crazy and now like I get into a position where I'm trying to do that with other people because it's like that's you just learn so much from these people that are giving you more than they have to yeah and it's the same you know with coaches and staying after class talking to you and stuff like that so when the comp thing come around for me it was like i wanted to i wanted to go and put myself out there with like the logo on my back and have the the work that those people put into me almost like paid back to those yeah, people yeah. like it's a really weird thing man and i've done sport my whole life my whole life i've competed and i've never had that feeling of like i don't even really want to compete but i'm gonna compete because i want to show you guys what it means that you've done for me sort of thing because it's like without them like i walk into that gym and it's only because of their knowledge that I can learn anything. There's yeah. no, like, how else do you learn? You only learn from those people. Like, it's a really crazy thing. And I think that that's why, you know, when you see those, like, UFC countdowns and shit, and you see dudes, like, even, like, Cormier, the baddest man on the planet right now, he's a heavyweight champ. And he's, like, crying and shit. He's, like, emotional in like, leading up to the fight. Like, it's not like he's even lost. But he's talking about his family and his teammates. And when you, I guess when you, like, feel 
that or you'd think it's weird because it's coming from like this tough dude right quote unquote tough dude but it's like there's so many people put so much effort into your success that it 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 is kind of like an emotional thing and then when you fight it's like you're carrying all of that weight of all of those people and all of their work it's it's so much more than just the pressure you put on yourself that's where i think it's the team sport Mm. you do go out and you can perform by yourself but it's that six weeks of you being around with your team, with your family, with people that are supporting you. And then you, you're almost like that's you're the end product yeah. of, of that night. So you, it's the chance to just go out there and, and honestly just have fun and, and get after it, really. Yeah. It, it's, it's that six weeks of, of day in, day out that produces you. And you can only hope that at the end of it, when you come out of it, you're a better person mm. or, or you're a better fighter or better whatever. I was trying to say, uh, it's, it's like, don't let wins go to your head yeah. or losses will go to your heart. Yep. It's always kind of that mentality that just be gracious with it. It's a, <laughs> really, I detest it. People were like, oh, I'm humble when I win. I'm humble when I'm, when I lose. Well, I don't really think you can be humble when you lose. I think you can be gracious. Yeah. But it's... You didn't get you didn't get a choice in being humbled. Like, you, you got humbled. Like, you yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. Like, you were forced into being humble. Mm-hmm. Like, now you have to be gracious about... Yes. ...the humbling someone just gave you. Or they, or they win and they're like, oh, I'm humble. I'm, it's like, you, you can't be humble if you're saying you're humble. Yeah. Straight up, you ain't humble. You, you just... It's one thing to say something, it's another thing to do it. Yeah. And that's the biggest judgment on, on anyone's character or to judge a character, I think. No, you should judge a character or whatever, but to, to see a character, yeah, it, it comes down to that. So you, you've had like a couple pretty cool quotes that you've busted out. So where do you get, not like where do you get your quotes from, but like where do you get that kind of, like where do you go to look for the, that kind of wisdom? Because obviously you're a guy that seeks out, um, you know, wisdom and understanding for the, the craft that you've kind of chosen to do. I think it's a lot of them are just by chance. Mm. You'll be watching. Uh, I don't even know where I get half of them. To be honest, they just sort of just things you watch. Like embedded are great, or mm. just just background things on on just YouTube. I've probably spent hours and hours and hours of just YouTube video. It's funny we we moved over from the the mainland. <laughs> And <laughs> this is terrible. What happened was we moved over from Christmas Island to the mainland. Yeah, and yeah. The first time I've got internet, good internet, Wi-Fi. I've got a laptop, loving life. I'm on YouTube, just YouTubing jujitsu, like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. Little did I know the grandparents only had a small data plan. Oh. So I've blown the data plan over by like I think it was six or five gigs. Yeah. Pure jujitsu nothing else like everyone's like ah you're watching dirty videos right i'm like i think yeah this is my my shit yeah i did not watch anything like that it was all youtube highlight reels jujitsu mma you name it i was watching yeah mma like it was sports related yeah anyway the 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 bill come out it was like twelve hundred dollars or something and i was like ah well my bad 
what was it like growing up in Christmas Island? What's the what is the deal with Christmas Island? I don't think a lot of Aussies even really know like where that whole thing stands. Like what? It's, it's a. And what so, was it like growing up there too? It was loose growing up there. I got so many scars on the back of my head. People ask me, "Oh, where'd you get this from?" It's far the big hill. We had this big hill, and and you you basically just smash it down on a bike, and at the very end there was a bit of gravel. Yeah. Up on the gravel, cracked my head, stitches. Next day went did it again. So I got to conquer it. This is my competitive nature. Yeah. Fell off again. <laughs> I waited a week, waited for the stitches to get out. Then I did it again, went around the gravel. Done. So it, it, the community of, of the island, uh, there was, when I was there, I was on about 1,000 to 1,200 people. So a really tight community. Yeah. Really tight knit. If you were willing to put yourself out there, everyone would support you. So I, I think I saw that and that's always, I would give back yeah okay just because of, of what the what a community can do for you yeah to, to get you to a spot you'd go out and you'd hitchhike down the beach and back you'd lose your wallet someone would steal it you know who'd stole it yeah basketball courts come on give it back they give it back oh, and the money <laughs> yeah right it's pretty loose very loose um upbringing so what's the main uh ethnic group on christmas island the it's a very it's a mix the majority is malaysian yep so either um muslim malaysian or chinese yep and then europeans or like aussies were i think the least yeah almost yeah uh, a lot of the time i'd be the only aussie kid in in my but school you've class got, like have you got malaysian or something in uh, you I got as well? filipino, filipino? okay yep. yeah I, I never don't know any of that side or anything yeah so okay fully aussie yep yeah so how did your so how did your mum or your mum and dad get to be on Christmas Island? So they back in the day you weren't allowed to I don't think you still can gamble. Yeah. In that area of the world. Because of religious. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So they opened up a casino. Yeah. So mum being a car dealer, that's we went over there and then they started upgrading infrastructure and whatnot. And um that's where my mum met my dad and um, everyone goes, oh, is he stepdad? Blah blah. But he's he's never he's he's my dad. Yeah, if, I, I if watched. You know what I, mean? I watched your. There was like a road to the octagon style piece that one did on you, and you said that because you you've never met your actual dad, right? No, no, yeah, yeah. So and yeah, you were saying like you don't kind of look at your dad as your stepdad. He's always just kind of been your dad. Yeah, it it, it just comes down to that. Well, he raised you, kind of thing. Yeah being a a father is not having a kid it's it's raising a kid mm. i've always believed that so and i've never liked the word step yeah like step brother step dad i was like man what the fuck what's this step yeah well, we're all family yeah because i think like man i've got like the guys that i was with last night they flew in for my birthday from Cairns. they're my brothers yeah yeah that's yeah i would like i treat them no different to my actual brother like they're all on the same kind of level so i think that to yeah, throw like the step label or whatever on stuff. Like when you've lived with someone, someone raises you and whatnot. Like it, yeah. If you can just have friends that you'd consider your brothers, then surely someone that actually raised you gets the yeah. gets the family call up as well, eh? Yeah, hundred percent. What's the um? Do you ever want to meet your dad? Like where you at with that? Or like yeah, I guess yeah. What would you call him then if you call your? Those guys, my biological biological dad. father. Yeah. Would you ever want to meet him or? 
Uh, when I was younger, I sort of did, but it kind of comes down, does he want to meet me? And it's he's got a family of his own. and mm, So you didn't know who he is and stuff? Yeah, sort of. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a weird... It's kind of like I'm very... And I'm finding it more as I'm getting older is just find what's relative to you. Mm. So I'm all about relativity at the moment. It's kind of, is that relative to me? Like, no, nah, not really. Mm. Is it making me better? Is it giving me that 1% mm. meeting? You know, it's kind of, nah, nah, I don't need it then. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Like, there's definitely people that go through their life where it's like this big thing that they like need to know. And then there's other people that have come, come to terms with it and... It's like the happy birthday on Facebook. Yeah. Oh, thanks. You made my day. I'm kind of go. Oh, that's a bit sad. Yeah. If you're getting a few happy Facebook posts or whatever on your page yeah. and that's made your day, that's kind of like, well, I think you need to start looking yeah. at your day, day. Yeah. yeah. Or people, oh, I can't wait for the weekend. Oh, thank God it's Friday. It's no, no, no. It's, thank God it's Sunday because mm. it's rest day. Yeah. Monday. Can't wait for Monday. Yeah. Get back into it. Yeah. It's like at the moment it's. Gym, 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 gym. I'm so I was burnt out. I'll be honest. I didn't want to go to the gym Thursday. Still there. It's this chase. If mm. if you look at a sprinter and you look at one percent faster, are they going to grab it? Of course they are. Because you look at them, one percent of their time split. It's maybe it's massive. It's huge. Yeah. Five percent. It's like you, you. They wouldn't even. Five percent's almost unachievable. Yeah. For, for a 100-meter sprinter, yep. if, if they can get that 5%, 100 they're taking it, then you look at, like, your MMA game, and if you can get something at 5% a game, yeah. crazy. Yeah. It, I, always, uh, I always wonder with guys like yourself, like, you're super on the way up. Like, you could very well become the UFC flyweight champion of the world at some point. Like, you're in that echelon of of fighters especially being as young as you are and it's like you get that kind of biological father thing estranged and then all of a sudden you're the ufc champ like always like do you ever think about that like is he going to come knocking on your door at some point is like when you you know you kind of reach that high level because that shit for sure happens Happens for sure yeah look i don't, I don't know it's a weird one eh? yeah again it's kind of like that relativity thing it's like ah if it's just, yeah. whatever it's flowing just cruising along with yeah. it yeah um so you're getting crazy close to uh, another title fight. So what's your schedule like when you're just sort of waiting for fights to be announced? And Because you're kind of like having to watch the division to see roughly when you're kind of going to fight again. Like, is that, a, is that like a hard place to be as a professional? Because when you're, when you're not... And you, you could do a jiu-jitsu comp every week if you wanted. Yeah, the... For me, with the weight class now, it's like every day is a diet battle. Mm. This time around, I've pretty much finally... It's taken me three times to finally go, all right, pull your finger out. Your profession's to be fit, to be... On this weight. Yeah. So it's, it's almost like, don't don't blow out. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I, I struggled with... Uh, I did two comps at 73 kilos and now I'm like 77. <laughs> and, then the, and then the nationals. 
the nationals are on in like the 18th of august or something and i'm like i'm not fighting 73 <laughs> i'm just gonna have to go I'm gonna have to go up away just go up but uh, man i've been eating fucking cheesecake every night <laughs> like i just have not been but when you train so hard like you've got to eat like i've yeah. been training every single day like sometimes twice a day just fucking starving all the time like all the time so hard to have the control to like look at the scales every day and only eat what is going to keep you around that weight do not go keto oh yeah do not do it It, that's interesting a lot of people do like the keto diet i think they like it because they don't have to do explosive movement sport related yeah things it it works and that's the crazy thing if you're running or doing long distance slow yeah, sort of activity. Yeah, like that slow burn. Yeah. But when you're doing explosive movement and it's it affected my mood and all sorts, but I was so heavy, just unprofessionally heavy. Yeah. I just sort of had to do it. Yeah. This time around it was a lot easier, a lot more fatty meats. Yeah, okay. Nutrition. Damn amazing. Yeah, dude, it's a it's a rabbit hole. So what what do you eat now then to stay energized for training but to stay on weight like how do you structure your eating i've, I've basically gone i kind of go like a lighter carb uh lunch sort yep. of no carbs after six yeah and then just clean i haven't touched our life i say i haven't touched dairy i had a cookie dairy a chocolate slide, cookie mate, let's let but, dairy slide yeah I, I just from right now being able to eat whatever i want I just want to eat things that make me feel good. Yeah. And I know dairy doesn't make me feel good. Eggs don't make me feel good. Yeah, right. Almonds, a few things, bits and pieces. So I stick clear of it and weight stayed down. If yeah, anything, okay. I'm, I'm quite light. So I'm just like, oh, all right then. Sweet. How much are you cutting? Because So one does a weird thing with weight cuts, yes. right? Can you explain how one's weight cutting works? So with one, you have to be on weight and hydrated. Yeah. So they do a three-day weigh-in schedule. The first day is just check. They just sort of go, oh, yeah, maybe you shouldn't have any sodium, blah, blah, blah. They don't really... They just check it to see that you will make weight. The second day, you have to be on weight and hydrated. So if you're not hydrated, you pretty much aren't allowed to fight. What they do, they do a P-test. Yeah. And it's basically like a gravity test that your water needs to be a certain amount compared to other yeah things that could be in your your urine because if you've got a lot of like minerals and sodium and stuff yeah. in your con in your urine content then that means that you're dehydrated and yes. your body's that's why we're like you piss real yellow when yeah 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 so so they do that pretty much you have to pass let's say you are fighting friday so you have to pass wednesday thursday yeah if you pass both days those days you don't have to do a test on fight day yeah right so people if you're looking at people blowing out they're only really putting on one or two kilos yeah compared to if i were to fight at 57 cut the weight basically you get down to 61 and then i'd probably cut that three four kilos five kilos down the 56 dot whatever it is mm. by the time i probably compete again i'm probably 63 kilos yeah so that's a blowout of it's a massive amount of of, of weight you've put back on there are people i know that i fought against that have blown right back out yeah okay so when i used to fight back before i was making flywires bantamweight and i was do it pretty easy yeah because you were a pretty small bantamweight yeah yeah i never, never got held down never got out muscles so i thought what's the point of going down yeah 
Uh, I make this weight easy. I compete well at this weight. I'd always probably get back in at about 65, 66. Yeah. Maybe uh, 50, 60, six and a half maybe. Yeah. I know for sure my debut on one championship before it all changed was at Bantam and I weighed in at 60.9 or something. My opponent came in at on, right on, 61.2 or whatever it was. And he blew out to well over something, 70 something. Really? He was huge. That's crazy, eh? Yeah. So do you like the way that they do it now? Because it, it seems like the safer way to do it. Way seems safer. less stressful. Do you feel better on fight day? Yeah, it's a funny one. I kind of feel the same. Yeah, okay. So even... But did you cut a lot of weight? Like you weren't really cutting oh, a lot yeah. of weight to do it. Yeah. No. So but I'm sure those guys that were cutting a lot of weight did feel the effects of it. Yeah. Because that's definitely something that I've been thinking of more now is like, especially with the nationals coming up in a couple of weeks, it's like... Don't like, do it. Yeah. Don't cut weight for jujitsu. Yeah. Okay. That's my advice. Please explain. I like I like this because I'm having that in my in my head. And I was listening to a thing that Keenan Cornelius said the other day that he thinks that uh, jujitsu is if if you can stay within forty pounds of your opponent, then the weight doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter at all. Basically, what I found is if you cut weight, you have to then it, it you compete. If you win, you then have to wait. A certain amount of time it could be 20 minutes it could be five minutes it could be an hour and a half before you compete again yeah it's that hour and a half that your body will go into this state of either it's sweet or it's needing something yeah and when it's needing something like if you've cut water you're dehydrated yeah when you're dehydrated your performance level decreases by like a massive amount it's it will astonish ener- you yeah the energy is crazy so the first comp that i did like i said i'd only been training a couple of months and I was like 77. And then I decided with like a week and a half that I was, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to do this comp. I got no stripes and my white belt. Like I can lose this comp and, yeah. be, and be pretty cool with it. So that was why I wanted to do it. I didn't want to wait like a year, be like a three, four stripe dude and then have a crazy expectation to go and win. So I was like, let's just get this shit out of the way. But I had to cut like five kilo or four kilos in a week. Ouch. And I like, I did it. And I was like, actually, I was probably more proud of myself that I made that weight. Like it was stupid. I just like, why, I don't know why I even wanted to cut weight for my first comp anyway, but whatever, that's a different story. You did it. But, <laughs> but I was like so stoked when I actually pulled it off. But then I felt like shit. Yeah. Like the first match between... I guess like the adrenaline dump of the whole thing. I couldn't eat breakfast. I yeah. could, I like barely ate dinner the night before. I slept shit. I was tired. I couldn't really drink much water. Like it was, I felt shit. I got fucking steamrolled, man. Like in the first, and I was just, I just got caught like uh, just in side control. Like I didn't get submitted, but stuck. all I did, I just stuck. I just had no energy. I couldn't get this dude off me. Yeah. And it was in the gi, which obviously made it worse because Way. like the, the grips. grips, like he just held me down. And it wasn't until I, so I just got demolished in that. But then I ended up going into no gi and I won no gi because I kind of like, I'd looked at my weight, I'd lost a bit of weight and I actually had some food and I had yeah. some water. By the, yeah. By the time no gi came around. I actually, and because you do the weigh-ins and then like after that you can kind of eat. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I weighed in super early and I started eating and yeah. then I ended up winning Nogi and I was like, fuck, I don't know if I ever want to do that again, yeah. like to fight, to feel that shit. But then I did a comp maybe two weeks after that, but I just stayed at the weight. 
So I just like, I didn't have to diet crazy hard. I didn't have to cut out water because I'd, I'd already lost the weight. Yeah. And it was totally different. I felt like a totally different person. So yeah, it's just like, and now I'm at 77 again. So I'm like, I just don't think I'm doing it. <laughs> and I've just been trying to fight bigger dudes at the gym every day. So I get used to it. Yeah, that's that's basically it. You, you just don't want to go in. It's the reward thing. Like, are you, are you risking your health a little mm. bit by cutting and then going in there? You're tired, you're sore, not sleeping, you're sore, nervous system things happen. But if you, you look at just dehydration by itself, if you're something like 5% dehydrated, you have like a a performance decrease of almost like 30% or something. It's crazy. Don't quote me on those numbers, but it's, yeah, it's something like that. It's quite remarkable how much of a decrease in, in just fitness you'll have mm. by being just slightly dehydrated. And at my level, like, obviously, it's full novice. Like, it's not... It just... After the fact, I was like, man, it just didn't make sense to stress that hard. Like, I'm the kind of person that I like to achieve hard things. So, I kind of always do silly shit that's hard because I, I like just barely scraping in on something. And then... Because yeah. there's almost... Because there was a feeling of accomplishment that just came from cutting weight. I've yeah, never dieted awesome. in my whole life, ever. And so for me to actually be like, oh, I'm going to lose four kilos this week. I was training and I was in the, I came to Corey's, like he's got a sauna upstairs here. And I'm like in the sauna in my trackies and doing the whole thing. But like, yeah, I mean, I walked away from it. I was like, you're a fucking idiot. Like this is just supposed to be this fun thing. Like just, it's not fun now when you have to diet and cut weight this, this heavy. So um, I think Keep I'm Keep it fun. Yeah. I think I'm out on that. I'm yeah. going to do nationals as a <laughs> whatever yeah, seven is that? Yeah, that's what it would be, seventy-seven. And I think that's actually the weight class, right? So it's like seventy-seven is what you'd have to weigh in for no gi, and then is it like eighty-one or something? Yeah, or they give you eight, a yeah for the kilo yeah. and a bit for for the gi weight. So I think that's what I'm gonna do. Yeah, way. Can you do jujitsu comps now that you're in one? Yeah, yeah, they're okay. pretty open to um competing in in jujitsu and and keeping active yep. wrestling and, and jiu-jitsu pretty much it's it's anything where you're gonna get paid that you can't do yeah they kind of go oh yeah it's a bit of a conflict in in contract or whatever yeah so when did you start jiu-jitsu i started eight this would be eight years ago yeah right yeah and what got you so i guess to backtrack how did you first get into fighting we, we used to get Indonesian TV. Mm. Uh, I wouldn't really say legally or whatever, but yeah. we were able to get dishes and whatnot and somehow, I can't remember how they worked it, but we'd basically get that and it was uh, one of the very, very first MMA promotions, IFL, believe it or not. So this is going way back. They used to have team systems. Yeah. So it'd be like Bas Rudin's, Silverbacks, and yeah, Kenzo yeah. Gracie's, whatever's, and they do team fights so they have lightweights all the way up to heavyweights kind of like what they're doing with polaris now right? yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah very much back to that. Yeah. yeah so they had this whole system going so they were pretty much my very first mma exposure exp- yeah, yeah that I'd, I'd got and then working at an airport uh the i can't remember if it was like security or customs head guy or whatever he'd done a bit of um schooling over in canada yeah and he found jujitsu there and he kind of took us in and showed us a bit of muay thai and this and that and then Basically, just YouTube was our was our instructor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then me and my friends would just get together and we'd just grapple on concrete and no shit. Yeah, box on concrete and 
craziness. And so were you instantly taken by jiu-jitsu or like what was the first one of the, I guess, martial arts that really drew you in? WWF. Yeah, right. Watching the submission stuff. Yeah. Like the, the figure four leg locks and the yeah. all that stuff. I was always drawn to that. Is Naturally. any of that shit actually real? Like, do they do real stuff? What's that one lock that's nasty and it does actually hurt? There's that... One fella does that one move and it's, it's basically an omoplata choke. Oh, right. Yeah. Huh. And then there's a few moves that were very applicable. Yeah. But, like, the figure four leg locks were terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or the sharpshooter. Yeah. But that always... I don't know, grappling is so... I say the human body is made for grappling. Mm. You grab an elbow and there's like this little... Little spot there. Yeah, yeah. this is like climbing a... Uh, what are they called when you um climb a wall? Oh, climbing. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like there's a certain yeah. points, yeah. You just hold yourself off. But that's like a wrist. Well, like, yeah, you do like an arm drag and you got the wrist and yeah. then the elbow. And it's like once you got that, that's it's like staying. you're stuck in that. Yeah, I get yeah. what you're saying. It's so many positions are just so natural for the body just to move and be manipulated in that way that it's, it's kind of just like I don't know I had this thing that just gravitated me towards grappling so yeah. I always wanted to be the grappler since ever I can remember watching fights even street fights it always ended up on the ground yeah they'd clinch and they'd end up rolling around the ground and no one would know anything probably one of my biggest exposures was there was a, a little fellow and he was a brown or a black belt and he got into a pub fight and he knew jiu-jitsu. Like you saw him? Yeah. You saw the fight? Basically, he, he took the dude down, wrapped his arm up and just started mauling the guy. Yeah. And everyone was kind of just like watching it because they were all so shocked by what he was doing. Yeah. That it's almost like, whoa, what is, what is this? Yeah. This is kind of cool. And that kind of sparked the interest and then found out it was jiu-jitsu and then once I could find a club that actually people knew what they were, what doing, they were doing yeah, yeah. and able to teach that it really took off from there yeah because I was listening in one of the fights they said you've done over 200 jiu-jitsu comps yeah we kind of it, I lost count within my first year really you went that hard in, into it competing yeah really three years I think I did about three or four years every comp really for those years so what circuit were you doing? Like the IBJJF stuff? Yeah, just every everything in Queensland. Yeah, I mean, right. everything from lockdowns to... There was this um, grappling circuit in Toowoomba called Enemy on the Floor. Yeah. I remember doing one of those and I had something like 15 matches in a day. Wow. I took out three divisions. I think it was 65, 70 and 77. Really? So just, just stuff like that. Just competitive, just get in there. Yeah. And it's fun. It was so much fun. It's, I had this little home that Excel and I'd always leave the lights on and everyone, oh, there's Reese's here for those three years. And then every time over the big speaker, there's a Hyundai Excel up front with the lights on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's mine. Off I went. That's oh, classic. But yeah, three years, just every comp. No shit. I think that's probably what accelerated my learning. Yeah. Competing. Yeah. Because you really find what you've missed, mm. what's missing. And sometimes you get caught with something and you go, ah, that was cool. So you're constantly learning. Mm. And the days that you kind of went home and didn't learn anything, I then sit down and, and you almost get to like a... People go, do you meditate? Rah, rah, rah. No, I don't meditate. But, but I think it's important to always look back through your day. Yeah. It's that 
where were you five years ago on January 25th? No one will be able to tell you, but if you sort of go back, where were you four days ago? Or what did you do in the gym four days ago? You should almost be able to re-, re- Yeah, rewatch it. Yeah. yeah. In your head, go, oh, where was I four days ago? I was, oh, I was at Puma in the morning. I did this. The technique we did was that. And sometimes just trick yourself. I think that also will accelerate your learning. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely found that when the the comp stuff that I did, like I'd said this to one of my mates last night, I watched the fight that I won once and I watched the fight that I lost about 300 times. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's there's such a... When it means something to you, it's that... It's like someone takes something from you. They like do. when they beat you, they take something from you. Yep. And I'm like, motherfucker, I want that back. So you watch it because you want it back, whatever. And, you know, you might not fight that dude again or or whatever. Like this case, I just lost on points. And I, I'd already submitted the dude in gi, so I wasn't thinking anything points related. I wasn't thinking about anything other than getting in the same position and I was just going to do the same thing. Yeah. And I spent so long, like, just setting it up because I was so confident that I was going to do it that the rest of the game of jiu-jitsu just didn't exist to me. And I was like, well, that's so dumb. Yeah. And I watched, but, you know, obviously... That's it's a good learning that, curve Yeah, right it's there. an experience. Yeah. And, I, and I look back and I was like, well, there's that, there's this, there's that sweep was there. I could have done this, I could have done... All I needed, it was zero, zero. I think he won on an advantage because he got into my half guard yeah so it was just like it wasn't uh like i didn't i was like i didn't lose we just didn't go long enough for me to win yeah, sort of yeah, thing, yeah, you know? yeah so it's like yeah it is that and i guess i come back from those two comps and then the monday after in the gym you just feel like a different person way it's crazy it's, that's just that accelerated learning competing mm. people always ask well how do i get better so let's compete yeah you want to really accelerate your learning compete yeah it's it's crazy the the difference that it made and and there's a there's a different intensity that is in competitions the the takedowns are more every uh yeah more intense the the pressure that people are putting on you is more intense you feel more tense so it's like the crowd watching you yeah people just the atmosphere that can weigh down on people man the like the last comp that I did, my my parents actually were in town, so they came. Oh, to watch. Who was that? And I was just like, "Fuck! I just don't want to do this." Like, I just really, I didn't want to lose in front of them. Yeah. And it was like the strangest feeling, eh? Because I was just like, "Yeah, it was just super weird." But them being there just added so much more, like made <laughs> yeah. it so much more real. But it's just hard. Like, I guess it's such a good learning thing. Like for me, I'm trying to take that stuff into everyday life, in terms of like you said like staying present and because we've got a one of the girls from the gym she's about to compete in her first comp shout out jen uh tomorrow at morton bay and and i said to her i was like you're gonna be crazy nervous when you're in that like bullpen but either way either way you're gonna fight yeah so you could make that 10 minutes leading up to your fight this torturous gut churning experience where you just want it to be over and then you're gonna fight or you could be like happy and positive and excited and, and there for the it. right reasons. Yeah, yeah. And then you're still going to fight. Like either way, the destination of where you're going to be, like you're going to slap hands yeah. and you're going to do it. So like don't torture yourself in the lead up to it. And and that's like really applicable just in everyday life. Like, oh, fuck, man, I've got to get on this flight. And I'm like, you know, like you start thinking about a thing that's like a day ahead or you're like, you've got this meeting tomorrow. Or you've got 
something it's like obviously think about it if you need to prepare for it but like don't waste time thinking about the thing itself yeah yeah like do what you can to like be prepared enjoy it like if you're still if you're gonna get on that plane at 1 30 the, the next day anyway then what's the point of worrying about yeah. the whole time leading up to it and i think that yeah the, the comp side of thing definitely gave me that perspective of like man i just fucking wasted all this energy being stressed out about this silly little jiu-jitsu fight i should have just been cruising because at the end of the day i was gonna do it anyway yeah it's like sparring about a bit harder mm. have you heard of the type um tight rope uh correlation thing no nah. so like every day you're walking the tightrope it's maybe a meter off the ground yeah when you compete you're walking that same tightrope yeah 100 meters off the ground yeah what's the difference the only difference is it's 100 meters off the ground yeah you're still walking the same rope yeah the the thing with jiu-jitsu comps too that i sort of i think the like the first time i didn't think about it like this but the second comp i did think about it like this is it's like i'm rolling with fucking animals mm. every single day like we got a couple dudes at our gym like really really good purple belts really good brown belts and like they do super well in all the comps we got a couple really good brazilian dudes and I'm rolling with them as hard as I can. They're smashing me. I'm getting subbed a bunch of times in, in the seven-minute rolls. But I do that every day and I don't even blink. Like, that's just my normal thing. But when I'm fighting, I'm fighting other people that are my ability and my weight. So it's like, there's nothing new to see here. There's no there's no white belt that's in Australia that's going to show me something that these brown seen. belts... Yeah. ...that... Uh, bigger than me haven't done to me so it's like i guess it's just it's perspective like yeah, yeah. working that perspective and like i guess being the master of your own mind instead of like just letting your mind fucking run off to wherever it wants and you're just along for the ride going fucking hell yeah 100 percent. it's it's totally like that eh? yeah i always try and find have moments where if i'm about to compete it's like i know i'm gonna get really tired like i look at the guy I go he's fit so i'm just like just feel yourself now and know that however tired you get, after it's all done, you'll be sitting here feeling exactly how you are right now. Uh. Cool, calm, breathing full. It's just have that moment of, it's almost like you don't want to think about it, but you almost want to go in there going, oh, I'm going to put everything into this, knowing that afterwards I'll be probably just sitting there with my air back in my lungs, exactly how I'm feeling yeah. right now. So it's have those moments and then just take it all in there, go all out and then come back and be like, yep, sweet. Did I give it my all? Yeah. Have you seen moments in fights where you've like broken dude's will? Like, have you seen the moment where you're like, okay, he's done now? Not really. I try not to read too much into the other person. Mm. I like to see how the way they move, maybe the way they react to a few things. But other than that, I don't really care too much. It's... I, I got this from wrestling and, and jiu-jitsu it doesn't matter what they do it's what i do yeah so it's like oh the guy i always hear people like oh i'm gonna go into this fight and i'm gonna kick him and then he's gonna do this and i'm it's like nah bro shut up yeah you, one thing you can do is influence the outcome yeah don't want to do that other thing you can do is influence what the outcome might be like every now and again something you do in the gym might be the perfect thing to do for you or it might be the perfect thing that you're going to do for them. Yeah. So like a good example, you might be throwing a one-two kick when you should be throwing a one-two shot. Yeah. 
you happen to throw the one-two kick, your head comes off, they throw a weird punch, hit you, bang, down you go. Fight's over. When If you throw in the one-two shot, other way around. So, it, whenever I hear people, oh, I'm going to do this and they're going to break and blah, blah, it's like, no, 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 just, just, just shut up. Just control what you can control. Yeah. Yeah. Not, don't try and predict what their reaction is yeah. going to be. Yeah. Because, I mean, you definitely see that in like, in jiu-jitsu where you can even in like you can submit someone from side control yep like while you're on the bottom and it's like there's there's definitely like but you can be in control of what you're doing while you're on the bottom and being active as opposed to reactive i think that that's probably like if you break down fighting to like maybe it's most simple thing it's like who is the one that's acting and who is the fighter that's reacting and it might be like you're throwing a, a combo, then he counters. So it's gone from you acting to then him acting or like reacting and then acting. And now you're the one that's reacting. So I think it's this constant game of like action and and reaction. And you want to be the person that is constantly creating the action and forcing your opponent, opponent to react. Yeah. My, my wrestling coach would always say for every action, there's a reaction. Hmm. And a lot of the sessions I had with him, we'd literally get warm, do this massive wrestler warm up, which was crazy. You almost need a warm up for that warm up. Yeah. And then we just wrestle. So it was almost like two, three years of just being bashed. Mm. And he'd always say, for every action, there's a reaction. And I think that's where a lot of wrestling ability comes from. Yeah. And a lot of jujitsu that can be translated into life comes from is actually the live rounds that it's actually being tested yeah like you get a lot of those other martial arts and they, they never actually test them it's always like oh no 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 and then you get the instructors saying no i don't go anywhere else this is secrets yeah you won't get taught this anywhere else if you go somewhere else i won't be able to teach you anymore yeah i think in most cases i've found that those are the places you don't want to train no the people that are always like oh i don't train anywhere else if you train somewhere else i can't teach you yeah it's almost like the coach that's open for you to go Let's say you're going to Brazil and your coach goes, nah, nah, don't train anywhere. Yeah. Are you crazy? You're going to where the sports come from. Yeah. Of course, you're going to encourage the student to, to go to as many clubs as, as he can, or as, as he can like, I guess. Yeah, well, there's, a, there's an insecurity on a coach's end that you, if you're worried about that they're going to like expose you for not really knowing your shit. But dude, I got so lucky, like... I just one day just was like, all right, I'm, so I'm going to just Google a jiu-jitsu gym. Closest one to my house is what I'm going to. And it was Gala Brothers, Southside. So I like walk in there, no idea. And then, you know, you sort of, as you kind of get to go and then it's like YouTube, Fabio Gala, he's fighting Hector Lombard. He's like winning, you know, like world Abu Dhabi shit. So it's like, I definitely got lucky to walk into a gym that has such a good pedigree because for me, it's like, it's what it's so easy to trust somebody that's like ranked in the world right like and they're actually really putting their money yeah. where their mouth is because like you know you you'd see like well there's so much like fake black belt gets exposed like mm-hmm. th- that shit's fucking real man it's everywhere the biggest one that i think i respect jiu-jitsu the most for is they'll never give a 12 year old a black belt yeah it just won't happen it's in their their rule their law if you will that is just, it's not, it's totally will not happen. Well, you get 
Taekwondo and karate yeah. and you get 12 year old, 13 year old, 10 year old black belts. Yeah. Like dude, I did Taekwondo and I was like, fuck, I got a brown belt or something when I was like 15. I like don't know shit crazy but like if you got a brown belt in jiu-jitsu you get yeah you handle yourself against pretty much a fucking anyone. killer yeah like even like if you're a if you're at a good school and you're about to get a blue belt you're gonna fuck up the average human yeah like 100%. every single day of the week it's crazy yeah. i had no had no idea like obviously being a fan of like the ufc for so long i did a bunch of taekwondo and stuff when i was a kid but like there was like one class where you get so many new people that kind of come in, especially because we're at World Gym yeah. in Southside. So you've just got all the big gym dudes that are like looking at you, walking in your fucking gi every day. You got your white belt on. They're just like looking at you like you ain't shit. And then you'll get every now and again, like every couple of weeks, you get one of those dudes walks in the gym and they want to they want to roll. And there was like, I hadn't been there that long. And this big like kind of Islander dude comes in. And then he had like the rental suit on and shit. And I was just like, all right, cool. He's fucking huge. And then, uh, so then um, Fabio's like, yep, you roll with him first. And I was like, fuck, I don't want to roll with this dude. Like I'd, I'd only just been, just started. He was massive. Like one of those big gym dudes every day. And then I've got him in a triangle. And it was like, he was, f- he fucking like double legged me onto the ground. Like just went burko dude on me straight away. Like zero technique. Just like he was, it was a fight. Yeah. And then, so I ended up, yeah, getting him guard triangle. And then that was the day where I was like, holy shit. Like all this is actually real. Like tested. Like that dude was fighting me. Yeah. Like there was no, that was not like friends. I didn't know that guy. All he wanted to do was smash fucking up. smash yeah. me and choke me. And I choked him and I was just like, it fucking blew my mind it's crazy isn't it yeah and it was like and that was after not a very long like maybe two three weeks training so then it's like dude let's get let's get really into this like let's see what you what you can do and the the further along you know down that road you go and it it's definitely because you do man you get tested every single day and i had a day a couple weeks ago like i just got bashed every yeah ups and downs oh dude it's it, a wave isn't it yeah it's crazy but it's like i don't know it's not one that you want to get off no absolutely not people quit on that wave it's it's stay on it mm, yeah well it's, it's like it's supposed to be hard yeah and the people that like when you that's why like i never really get that bummed out when someone chokes me or ah, submits because it's like you're learning well, but it's proof that the shit that I'm working so hard on actually works. Yeah. Because it's like if I know it and you know it and you can still use it on me, even though I know what you're well, yeah. trying to do, that it must be a very effective technique. Yeah. So I think that's like a that makes it a little bit easier to like handle the losses, I guess. We got one fellow in and he used to always think that being able to submit someone ten times in a row made him good at jujitsu. Mm. He then later on found as you progress that being able to do something and that person know what you're doing and you still be able to do what you were yeah. doing and they can't stop it that's then makes you good at jujitsu yeah and and that's um that's what nick sent me a we were like texting after training like i always go like we have like our little post training chat and um and i was like oh i wanted to work more on like like i was trying to get a pass get side control work on this submission bang it's just like one two three four five and it's like you can rush and get there but did you get there with like control 
at every single point. Yeah. And so I wasn't really doing that because I, you get excited, you roll, might Smash be like a blue belt. Right. Yeah, it's like someone that you really want to... Yeah. Like that's a scalp you want to get kind yeah. of thing. But then... So we were talking about that and, and Nick's like, well, a submission without control is just luck. Like, you knew the technique, you had a crack, it paid off. Mm. But a real... Like, so that's what he said. It's not really a submission. A submission is when you control that person and then you implement the thing that you're wanting to do off total control, then you gave them no other option. Luck wasn't, didn't enter into that. Yeah. So that's definitely been something I've been trying to work on is like really establishing control of that person before you kind of move to the next step. Because it's like, I always tell people, it's like playing chess with your body, mm-hmm. but the other person like against another person, but you don't have to wait your turn. No, you can move your person three, five, you can move, different at the same time yeah yeah you got four chess pieces you yeah. can move at the same time they got four they can move and neither one of you has to wait their turn none my biggest one is always try and get two or three steps ahead mm. so if, if you can turn the hip make their hip go the other way well now they need to turn the hip back then they need to turn the hip again that's two steps that i'm well in front yeah uh, there's a lot of things i try and feed people that make they ask me questions it's like no no forget all that I look at now concepts. Yeah. So always test things you've been taught, whether it be you can make it better. Yeah. Or is it just total rubbish? Yeah. Or is it just that's as good as it can get? Other concepts are control of no effort. Yeah. And then the biggest concept at the moment is formula. So try and formulate ways to do things. So my biggest example is I formulated a way to pass the guard. You need to control the legs control the upper body then pass the legs yeah which to a very new person it's kind of like well i'm controlling the legs and i'm controlling the upper body and then i pass the legs yeah it's like well hang on a second shouldn't i have passed the legs somewhere earlier it's like to no, get to the upper body yeah you you don't have to and you almost sometimes can't mm. that's when you're rushing yeah so if you literally control their legs control the upper body then they can't move anymore but you still haven't passed the guard so now you pass the guard yeah and that, that to me is, is probably one of the biggest learning, I'd say almost like concepts or, or procedures that now I try and run through my head and passing guards is way more successful. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's definitely like my area that I'm sort of trying to work on at the moment is that those passes. But I think that when you start jujitsu and especially like I've got a frame that's like triangles, yeah, you're open like a guard. guard player. Yeah, exactly. Long limbs. Yeah. So for me, that's my path of least resistance. Yeah. Big dude, you want to get a big dude, you want to try and smash me, cool. I'm just going to put my knees and my feet in the way for as long as I can. Play guard. Yeah, establish a position and or like try and, you know, use that open guard, get a position and then work from there. So, but now it's like that comes so easy to me that I get into the situation where I'm on top and I've got a pass or I've got a, like, it, I'm just fucking shit because I don't spend time there. And when you first start jiu-jitsu you've got a you've you're in survival man for, yeah. for a bit like you've got to really find like first four months yeah. I, I call them survival months yeah big time it's also the the couple months i watch and i go uh, do i want to learn your name <laughs> dude that shit's real man oh it's terrible isn't it well i get it like oh you meet so when you've been in it for so long i could i think it's almost made me more worse with names yeah, Just because that you many meet people so many people coming in and out, and then you bump into them on the street. And Dunbar's law—you're only supposed to be able to know 150 people's names. Yeah, 
It's crazy. Like, yeah, that's insane. Yeah. So, yeah, it's funny though because like, so a couple of boys now that I'm like super tight with, you might, you know, Jeremy, Jeremy Smith, he's a purple belt from Gale Brothers. But anyway, there's a couple, well, you know, Shane, the, you know, Shane. Yeah, yeah, Shane. Yeah. So like there's a couple, Shane. yeah, so there's a couple boys, you know, but like at the start they were like just, well, not not so much Shane. I didn't train at the Gold Coast as much until I'd kind of been there for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But at my gym, I was just this dude that come in and and was just stay, like, yeah, not? exactly. And I was like asking heaps of questions, and I was real like really going in, and they were just like, this won't last. So then I remember my first open mat. I like did well in two rolls, and Jeremy was watching both of them. Then he just fucked me up, dude. He was just grabbing my arm throwing me to the floor stepping over armbar and he did it like fucking six times dude and i would i left that place feeling like this won't happen for me like this is fucking craziness like there's no way that i'm gonna be able to get back from that and there's the those guys they just fucking beat me up and they put me through the ringer and they they gave you nothing but they weren't assholes but they weren't did it with love yeah but they weren't like putting in effort into my success in a way they would you were just there and they were doing what they needed to do and that was it yeah but then over time when you keep coming back from beatings and you say thanks after you get armbarred six times and you you know like you kind of show that you appreciate because you are learning even though you're getting fucked up and then i think that's when people are like okay he's here to stay he's past those first couple months let's act like now you can work with them and those mm. dudes will give you they're the guys that i'm saying they just give you so much but they were the dudes at the start i was like what the why the fuck do they hate me like what's going on i just gotta see if this is still let's see yes um so have you got thoughts of all like have you got ambitions of going to the ufc or is one a pretty solid home for you one is so solid it's like almost family sort of thing when you go there yeah you know everyone everyone's so friendly and it it really is it's like it's if you look at viewer audience and craziness it's you could almost have to be in the ufc Mm. so it's almost like a thing that i i don't get like frustrated or annoyed when people go oh you're not fighting the ufc you're not that good yeah it's, it's kind of like well yeah you just don't know what one one championship is yeah and it's kind of like uh it's just it is what it is so i, I, I try not to get too invested in that mm. that um i guess emotion or whatever yeah but it's when you look at the numbers one championship's way up there yeah like it, well, i think the division that you're in as well is like to be the best or like to get to your best you've got guys in front of you that are so world-class that it's not like you're held back by fighting in that championship, right? No, no, not at all. I mean, the the guy I fought against last was Japan's number one flyweight, hmm. two-time world champion, 11-1 and one as a as a flyweight, and he was on a eight-fight win streak or something. Yeah, right. So I, you get all these people that are like, oh, I'm the best at this and blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, all right. If you're the best show me the last person you beat is he on an eight fight win streak is he on a four fight win streak against past three title contenders the guy before that is a beast tie dude and then before that you're fighting dudes that are like on 10 fight win streaks seven fight win streaks yeah 
It's, and then you get all these people saying that they're the they're the best in in the division, and it's like, well, are you? Yeah. Like, show show me the show me your resume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems like I guess, like I said at the start of this, I I really started diving in deep when I knew you were coming on the podcast, and man, I'm fucking blown away. Like, I want to, I'm gonna go home and watch the Gary Tonin fight from last night. Yeah, because dude, actually, that's something I wanted to talk to you about. Missed him. Yeah, did you you didn't watch it? I woke up. Something woke me up at one o'clock, and I caught Marty's. Yep. And, and Kevin's. Oh, how did how did Marty go? Uh, Marty lost the decision. Oh, really? Yeah. Just uh, only broke his toe in the first round or something. Uh, okay. So it was, it was a bit off. Hard to deal with. Mm. Um. So I was reading a thing that John Danaher said this morning. Uh, it was just a quote on Instagram, and he said that. Uh, you know what maybe it was actually just on his profile he he basically said like oh gary fought a great fight he's having trouble with the the guy's stand up um so he used a bunch of leg attacks to weaken the legs which would then set up the shot to then get the choke because he finished him with the rear naked and i In was like three, hey i was like fuck man so now we're not leg kicking anymore to to mm. damage the legs to get shots we're, we're doing some heel hook attempts and some fucking knee reaps and shit well big secrets that holding against the fence you can burn someone's legs out by holding them against the fence yeah right so if you're doing that successfully and punching them and keeping them busy they're not breathing yeah and that's what a lot of people don't see that cage work stuff's so taxing yeah that's what frustrated me when they stood blacky they kept mm. standing blacky a couple of times they I'm just him. like fuck they're yeah, double working unders. yeah he double, had, you can't yeah. break them when he's got double unders yeah yeah, I don't know. That's a, a hard one. You you are right though. Like people don't see it, and the problem is, is know the, the crowd doesn't see it. They don't know it, and then the crowd's like, "Well, they're not doing anything." It's like, no, this guy. If he takes his fucking hands he's away working. from where he's at, like he's getting either clipped or he's getting his back put on the canvas, and then he's getting fucking choked to sleep. One hundred percent. So it's like they are working. Like what's happening is like a really high level game of chess. Yeah. So the highest. Yeah, it definitely, it, it was frustrating. But I wanted to ask, like, what you think about... Oh, you got to piss again? Yeah. Athlete. He's an yeah, athlete. Um, yeah, so we were talking about the whole, like, that whole leg lock thing. Like, I thought that was crazy interesting that that Tonin is going to try and use, like, leg attacks to, even if he can't finish, to damage the legs enough to where it can really set up like a a really clean double leg or a really solid takedown that then leads to a different submission which is what ended up happening when he got his back and and choked him so it's like man because i was saying to a friend of mine that really follows the ufc but he's he well he does a bit of muay thai and stuff but he's not like in the kind of jiu-jitsu world and i was just saying like i think that there's going to be a period of time where leg locks become like this thing that just fucks people up in MMA and then there's gonna guys will start to kind of figure out the counters and stuff for it which is like almost what's happening in jiu-jitsu now but I think that you look at like when Nicky Ryan did you watch his last fight yeah what, what was it like Pilar I don't know if it was Polaris maybe was it, that against Gio Martinez no no it was um oh, the old English dude that he used to be an MMA guy I can't remember his name. Um, anyway, he basically was like so threatening with the legs that he, the guy ended up just getting into his guard because he's like, fuck these legs. And then he ended up getting armbarred. So it's like these legs now, even though 
the there's guys that are so good at it, like your tone, like that whole Danaher squad. But Death Squad, the Death Squad. Um, fuck man, old Danaher, what an interesting cat, eh? Like wearing a rashy everywhere, so fucking funny. But um, the blue size, I know, bald just, head. Yeah, he's very kooky. kooky yeah, guy. so smart though. Like obviously amazing, but just such an interesting character. But um, but yeah, I guess it's just like crazy to see where that leg lock game is going to fit into into MMA. Like, I wonder what you think about that. It's just an as- for me. It's just an aspect of grappling. Yeah, I I guess it's just I don't know. Mind when people sort of attack them. Yeah, like a lot of people go, oh, it's taboo. Right, right. right. It's kind of well, it's just a part of grappling. I think that's over now. Like it's yeah. so it's so established in big events now that I think people are kind of on the train. Like that. I think it's like the the wars won. Leg locks. Yeah. Are, leg locks are here. Next thing, wrist locks. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> we just keep going. But yeah, it's like you've got to be like even there's dudes that like I'm going to do the Lachlan Giles camp next week in Thailand. Yeah, and it's all leg lock stuff and um, he's good man he's really good good coach I'm so excited dude like a week of jiu-jitsu in Thailand is just that's my dream um but you know there's guys at my gym like I'll be bringing that back and like kind of working with the dudes are even higher belts because there's it's so it's still like this new thing right where it's like like you've got a knife yeah I've never seen a knife yeah I've never fought against a knife yeah who's gonna win they yeah. have the knife yeah but that's sort of almost what it is so it's like but what I, I guess what I'm trying to say is like there's still people that are like really accomplished jiu-jitsu practitioners that that they don't even know how to deal with leg locks so then if you go in the cage with a guy that's predominantly a striker and then all of a sudden you're getting these leg entries from like bum scooting your way across the cage then the guy that if there's guys that are deep in the jiu-jitsu world that don't have defenses for leg locks what is a guy in mma that's predominantly a striker like what chance is he gonna have against it zero so it's like it's interesting like are we about to start seeing a fuckload in in um the mixed martial arts world or but because i guess the the thing is it's with all jiu-jitsu is like if it's just straight jujitsu, no one's punching each other in the face. That's the difference. Exactly. That, that's the. Th- so, from your point of view, does it have a place in MMA now because of the striking element? It has. A, I feel it has a place in the last thirty seconds of a, of a round because mm. you're giving up so much position. You see that Israel Adesanya went for like a yeah. really weird like he tried to Limonari do roll. Yeah, 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 which he was going for. Yeah, so that's pretty funny. Then that you're right. That was the last thirty seconds of the round. Yes. I think a, a submission that you're going to give up position Yeah. last 10, 20 seconds yeah. at most. At least then if you are put on your back, you're not going to be there for long. Yeah. Not long enough that you have to work your way up or not long enough that they're going to get enough damage off to say they won that, that round. Yeah. Because again, you've got to make that takedown count. You've got to make that top position count. Yeah. So if, you, if you're going to give up a p- position... And go to your back again, accepting that back. I, I don't think it's a good night for you. Yeah. The leg lock thing's interesting. It's for a while it was so old school that it was new. Yeah. Like you talk to the old heads, and it's almost like I was at the John Will seminar. If you ever get a chance to do a John Will seminar, yeah, right. Cannot say more good things about one. Yeah, right. They are phenomenal. He is. I would say 
the best coach. He's my coach's coach. So he's, yeah. I think he's the best coach in Australia by far. Yeah. His seminars are phenomenal. And he's there and he's talking about way back when and like way back. I couldn't even put a date on it. And he's talking about a fella that just wanted to win this comp. So the Machados go, all right, if you want to win this comp, learn leg locks. So off he goes, learns leg locks, beats everyone. Is he liked? No. no. He didn't care though. All he wanted to do was win. Yeah. So it's almost like you, I can't, I wouldn't be able to confirm this, but it's like there are positions I know in the IBJJF that they make like you're not allowed to do. Yeah. And that's because of the old heads like that. It's like sometimes learning a leg lock too early can also stun your development of the rest of your yes. game. Yeah. Because you don't pass a guard. Yeah. You, you just boom, attack the legs or yeah. you go on the back and yeah. attack the legs. It's such a funny one, leg locks. I love them. Personally, I, I've been lucky enough to have a guy attack legs since we were white belts. Yeah. So when people go, oh, leg locks are the new thing or mm. or whatever, air quotes. Um, it's nah, we've been dealing with these for before they were even cool. Yeah. The Sambo. The best example I can I can give for the development of the leg lock and, and, and that game it would be from Sambo. But then it comes down to the amount of people that do Sambo compared to the number of people that do jujitsu. Yeah, yeah. So it's always that refinement thing. So the larger of a number of you have people, the more you can refine that yeah. that technique or that sport. I think Sambo has kind of been left behind a little bit. However, the technique works. So then for it's using jujitsu, then the jujitsu heads all come together. There's more of them. They refine it even more. So I'm not even sure if the position, is it called the 411 or the saddle or the cloverleaf? I think that might be the submission. Basically, it's referred to the American knot. Because mm. the Americans sort of come up with it. You've got the Russian knot, which is the leg tie. Yeah. Sambo, 101. But everything on the opposite side is then the American... Yeah, okay. Kn- yeah. So they've refined that position, yeah. the Sambo position yeah. to be their own. But there's more people practicing in the US, so the yes. development gets pushed or, or further. Or even more people in the whole world doing jiu-jitsu mm. than Sambo. Yeah. So you, which one's going to get refined more? The jiu-jitsu, of course. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's like it looks like that's what's happening is there's like the Brazilian jiu-jitsu fundamentals. And then within that, it seems like now there's people that are finding this game, finding this thing that they like to do. And then it's like creating a whole new thing over here. And that's sort of like what that whole Danaher death squad thing. Like, you know, you look at a dude like Nicky Ryan, who's only been competing for a couple of years. Beast. And then he's like fucking up everybody. Look who he trains with. Yeah exactly and it's like he he goes in and he's so threatening with the legs that then you just jump into his guard to get away from it and then yeah he might be what's he like a purple belt or something ryan hall is a great example yeah okay he was triangling everyone and then he started leg locking well people forgot about his triangle yeah so again they do what you were saying with nicky ryan jump into his guard well they're gonna get armbarred or triangle he was a triangle guy before he was a leg locker yeah and that's just the development of 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 games. Yeah. The the thing with jujitsu, and I think at a world level, is it's not sometimes who's better at jujitsu; it's who's playing the right game at the right time. Yeah. 
So like a half garter might come along and everyone might be playing Burambolos. Yeah. So everyone gets good at defending the Burambolo that just at that certain time that the half guard player comes along, fucks everyone up because everyone's so, ah, Burambolo, Burambolo, that they forget about all the rest of the game. Yeah. I kind of think that's what happens a lot with people that try and call themselves leg lock specialists mm. is then their timing or their technique for other things kind of goes out the window a little bit. Yeah. Or they finally get their guard pass. Well, now they can't get back to guard because they just, they don't do that anymore. Yeah. If that makes yeah. sense. I watched an interesting Eddie Cummings match the other day and I, th- I can't remember what it was from, but he was just against an old Brazilian dude. And he was getting that single leg X guard, right? And then looking for, he was going for his heel hooks and knee bars and everything kind of off that. And the guy just kept pushing that that hook off. Yeah. And then it was like the attack was done. Mm-hmm. So it's like he, and then what happened was he started getting so confident at the start, he was pulling his leg out of everything, just didn't want to be there. And then once he defended that single leg X position a bunch of times and Eddie just kept going to it, then he started leaving his foot in there and then he started passing. So it was like he, it is that, that it's like a riddle. Yeah. And then it was like at the start, you're like trying to figure it out. And then he figured it out. And I think that you see that in jujitsu, you see that in mixed martial arts. Like you, you see guys that will just keep you at range. Yeah. You just can't get in there. That it becomes this frustrating, stifled thing because this guy has figured out your timing he's figured out your range and then they can start to get in and out get in and out so it's like it's the same sort of thing with that eddie cummings fight he figured out how to keep eddie off him with the heel hooks and like couldn't he nullified the attacks and then that laid the foundation for the attacks of his own to come in so it's just that constant like i guess who can download the information quicker and then kind of move on from that yeah that definitely is why I like the sport so much. Mm. Just something so simple like that distance control or even just like a hand on the head. Just that one specific thing can totally mess up someone's game. Yeah. And that's that's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. How much, um, like what's your training schedule like? Like how much jiu-jitsu are you doing? How much wrestling are you doing? How much boxing are you doing? Pretty much if I was to lay it down on paper, it's probably... Wrestling twice a week, jujitsu four times a week. And do you train at you train at Puma? Puma, Puma yeah, yeah, yeah. full time at Puma. Whereabouts is that? So that's down Burley. Uh, oh, Burley you're down Heads. there. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'll have to come in one time. Yeah, that's where you're welcome. That's where my brother's office is. Cool, cool, cool. We're in Township Drive. Oh yeah, yeah. we're in uh, Ramley. Oh yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Like right, right around there, right? Up yeah. and over the mountain. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah. So sorry. So how many days jujitsu? I'd say three times two three times gi yeah and then two times no gi so you're still training five five times a week for jiu-jitsu oh yeah that's sick yeah and do you how much of that is just because you want to um i'd say two sessions yeah so you're yeah. just there's a couple extra in there just because you want to train it yeah and yeah. the times they're allocated to be trained so yeah you're crazy if you don't yeah and then uh, where are you going for your stand-up? Puma. So everything's based yeah, everything's out of there. Puma. Yeah, that's sick. Yeah. Who else trains with you out of there? Uh, so we've got... We had, we had Timmy Moore, who was Australia's number one flyweight for a long time. Uh, now Shannon. Yeah. Who I think he's ranked as the number one flyweight in, in Australia. Uh, we've got a big amateur team. Um, 
can't put numbers down. I guess we get on average eight or so. Yeah. To uh to to a MMA class sort of thing. Yeah. So it's just nice small knit people that want to be there basically. Yeah, yeah. Which is is nice. Do you do much recovery stuff at P three? Heaps of, through yeah. my fight camp I did. Yeah. I'm I don't want to say I'm slack with it, but it's just kind of like... Fuck, it does get hard. Yeah. It's, it's either I go there or I go to the beach. And if I go to the beach, then the water's cold enough and it kind of... It feels like my body gets what it needs. Yeah. From that cold hit. Yeah. But that joint is crazy. I like love that place. What they've got going yeah. on there. Yeah. That facility is second. And I think it's actually their birthday today. So happy birthday. Yeah. It was like... Yeah. when It was like this week, eh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think Travis it was today. such a good dude. Oh, he's so good. Yeah. Big heart yeah massive heart and he's like he's into it too like he, yeah. he definitely does it for the right reasons yeah what um what other stuff do you do training wise you get into like pilates and yoga or any, anything was doing like a that. bit of yoga yeah but then it sort of was like could i be doing something more mma related mm. right now and i could yeah so i stopped doing yoga yeah the th- thing with yoga and everyone's like oh like you get a lot of the mixed martial arts and they always try and reflect their mma with their yoga Mm. for me it's always the opposite i try and reflect my jujitsu with my mma if i'm having a really crappy getting frustrated and stuff or it's like that reflects i think you'll find jujitsu will reflect a lot of things that are happening in people's lives Mm. like you come in and you just kind of someone's going really really hard or they usually don't go hard or afterwards mm. they're really down or they just get smashed and their heads you just sort of know they're not really present mm. you then go oh you're right you know you can sort of in that community you can do that and a lot of the time they'll either open up to you yeah or they just go oh, i'm just having a bad day yeah so it's that that's kind of the so that's almost like your meditative sort of state is yeah. when you want to be in jujitsu jujitsu especially in the gi yeah, you like the gi? Yeah. yeah. If gi makes my no gi better and it makes my MMA wrestling or ju- grappling better, I, I do it for sure. I think that with gi, like, so I come from motocross. So my... You're going to have hella grips then, hey? Oh, I'd, I have good grips for... I'd, I'd say, like, good grips compared to my frame and, like, because I'm not a big, strong dude. So I think I got good grips considering. But, um, so in motocross, you've got motocross, which is the outdoor like 30 minutes fucking summer it's hot like it's just yeah it's the it's the the hardest slog that you can do in the sport and then you've got supercross which is 20 laps it's in a stadium it's at night it's nice weather and it's like flashy glitz and glamour that's gi and no gi right there and i think that there's always something that's just so pure and core about motocross that is why it's still around even though all the money's in supercross and it's funny because that exact thing is happening in jiu-jitsu mm. where it's like gi is the thing that you start it's where the sport started it's the purest it's it's the roots and then no gi is like this glitzy flashy Fireworks. fast yeah you've got so it's like it's it's really like it's an interesting parallel but i've been thinking because i do way better in no gi but it's because i'd you know, like I haven't been doing it that long. So when someone can't get those grips, because grips are just so massive. Like when you roll with someone that really knows what grip is going to control you the most, then that same position in no gi, like you can get out of that position all day long. But in gi with that person with the right grip, like you're going nowhere. So it for me, I'm like, 
like fuck man like i just let's just do no gi like i'm doing way better but you know that gi's making everything better the gi it it is making and i think there's a level of fitness that comes from the gi as well because it's like it's like plyometrics training when you've got those grips and you've like sometimes you might be holding in a position for 30 40 seconds like if you were just to do a hold with like a dumbbell in that position for th- you'd be looking at that clock being like fuck 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 go 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 and then you'd like drop the weight and then that'd be that set done whereas with jiu-jitsu you're doing that for you know whether it's five minute roll seven minute roll ten minute like there's those periods of time where you're holding those grips and those plyometric style positions for so long that especially in competitions oh yeah get dude. that arm burn man i um i had a triangle on a dude like tight and it was like obviously not tight enough because i didn't finish him with it well he, he did go to sleep but then have you ever put someone to sleep and then let it go as soon as they went to sleep and then they've snapped Snap like back. snapped back like really hard yeah so that's what happened in the comp so it was my first comment i thought that i was like oh well i win like he's asleep mm. and the ref didn't stop it he was like around the other side and didn't i saw his, he put his hand up like that to tap and then hit the ground and then his forehead hit the ground so i let go as soon as i let go his eyes just light up and he jumps straight on top of me and arm bars me oh no so then i lost yeah but i had that triangle man for like fucking two minutes and then by the time when i finally like when i let go and then he um i think because he like passed into side control and um i just had nothing i couldn't bridge i couldn't like hip escape i couldn't do anything because my legs were just fucking burning dude because it was like two minutes of like trying to that's one of those ones where you look at that loss you're like well there was a thousand things i could have done from there but in that moment you're just so tunnel vision of like trying to finish that and and get a win but but yeah it's those those super long holds man they fucking burn you out big time so yeah what uh and then do you do any other kind of like mental training do you do any other kind of so it's just pretty simple program yeah Yeah. a lot of people have come and said you know mental coaching and this meditation and i feel like you're pretty on top of your mental side of things yeah i've always sort of believed if you need a mental coach you're in the wrong sport yeah this is mental enough it's crazy enough that what you're doing is you're like finding another human being yeah if you need someone to help you get in there you shouldn't be getting in there yeah for sure and if you've reached that level that you're at as well then you've you've you know you've obviously done something right yeah i've well, been doing something right <laughs> and i think that that stuff probably like you said you are you've got to be around good people i think that kind of um mental coaching just comes from your coaches like the and your training partners the people that you're around to i guess like get you to that point as well as much as it is yourself yeah it's and it's it's a funny one if if you have just the right coach and you click and he challenges you every day and he says no to you yeah that's that's the right coach there's too many i think there's too many yes men big time like way too many all through professional every professional sport not just fighting every sport you look at like i always think about that with connor right so like connor's one of the best athletes on the planet hands down right now and that fucking dude gets tired in fights so is i wonder is he having his coaches only tell him what he wants to hear are they really pushing him to the place that he needs to be or are they pandering to him in a way where they're not making him put in the work that's 
really, really required. They're giving him a pass on some of those conditioning things. They're focusing on the the glitzy, handsy stuff. They're, you know, like I saw a picture the other day of him. He posted a picture of him in the gi with his brown belt. So it's like, are they telling him like, bro, yeah, you've got a fucking lightning in that left hand, but you need to get on the ground. You need to be grappling five times a week. You need to be able to do it all. Yeah. So it's like, I, I wonder with an athlete like him, if he's getting tired, is that a result of his coaches being almost a little bit on that yes man sort of program? Same with Nganu. Yeah. I don't think heavyweights should be scheduled to fight five rounds. Yeah, really? Stop it. Yeah. Especially that last event. I think it was a free the air one. It was uh, JDS and... Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Just don't schedule heavyweights for five rounds. Mm. Please. Stop it. Unless they're fighting for a belt then obviously, but... But you get dudes like Stipe and DC can go five rounds all day. Yeah. But it's just the 1% of the 1% can do that. Yeah, uh, it's funny. I, there's so many people at the moment with like Fitbits, and they they try and get their heart rate to a certain thing, and mm. it's kind of like, oh, well, that's as far as I need to go. Then I kind of think throw that away. Go a bit old school. Yeah. Do the road work. Do the hill sprints. Do. It's not like I just do what needs to be done. It's it's almost like, like do you know if you if you come home from a day of training and you're fucked. You know that feeling. Yeah. And you know when you're Can't on lie. A, you know when you're on a hill what's gonna give you that feeling. Like can you 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 know if you can do one more. Yeah. And obviously you're not gonna wanna do one more, but, you but do you're gonna more. know if, that you can. Yeah. So I guess it's like the people that know they can and do that extra one. Because sure, there comes a point where you're like, I li- I can't get up that fucking hill again. I can't do it. Then that's cool. Yeah. You're not a pussy you've just done your job but how many people are really hitting that point yeah not many consistently if your fit was being easy everyone would be fit fucking know. straight out and even like you know you go to open mats and shit and you see people that'll like sit out every second or third roll it's like uh, you're not gonna do you shouldn't you should just get smashed on the like if you're tired just get smashed yeah 100 percent it do, comes, do the roles. comes down to that correlation imply doesn't always imply a causation. Yeah. Like you, you get so many people that just come into the gym and just they thinking that just being there yeah. is going to make them an excellent fighter. Yeah. Got to put in that work. Don't put it in. You're not going to get nothing. And there's an intensity in training as well. And that's where I think the competition comes in because you can almost bring that intensity to training. And, and you know... You, you can't be on every night. No. Like, you, every train, you can't be on. But, like, you can consistently see dudes in gyms that they're doing the techniques, but there's not no explosion in it. It's just going through the motions, doing yes. the reps that you get told to do. They're there learning. Yeah. And then you see, you see those other dudes, though, that are like, they're doing the same technique, the same reps, but they're exploding. Like, there's real conviction in everything that they do and against a guy that just kind of it's like a week you know and it's like what yeah you're in the gym but it doesn't mean you've given it a hundred percent yeah the the biggest one i've ever taken away from a seminar was a john wheels one and he basically explained be the one that drills more than anyone yeah so like he put it down he goes you know i do a technique five times I do a technique 10 times. You might do a technique five times. We look at a week. Let's say we do two classes. Yeah. At the end of the week, I've done the technique 
20 times you've only done it 10 times mm. you then look at the month i've done it 80 you've done it 40 we look at the year i've done it 100 and whatever you've only done half he goes well then who's going to be better at at the end of the day jujitsu the one that's done the technique the drill mm. more or the guy that's done it half it, it just comes comes down to just being in the gym every day whether you want to be there or not yeah and then that then will put confidence when you compete and that then puts confidence when you have to pull out and really dig deep. Yeah. You you have everything that you should need. And and I guess too, like you kind of want to get to a point where you've done it so much that you're not really thinking about what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. That's that's when I think you start to really do jujitsu. Mm. Which is something crazy. Yeah, the, you definitely... You definitely hit a point where you're like, because you know, you get some dude, I, I kind of didn't get it for, for a bit where guys are like, oh, you're moving really well. And I was like, what the fuck does you're moving really well even mean? But like, I was talking to um, my mate, like same mate, we were talking a lot last night, but um, we were we were talking about it because he doesn't do any of it at all. And he's like, oh, what is, what what is it like when you go against someone that's not as good as you? And I was like, well, it's good because you can then do, say if there's like a, a thing that I do that's like 80% success rate. Well, there's a thing that I do that's 20% success rate. So if I'm better than that person, I'll start working on the thing that's a 20% success rate and then I'll start to build it up from there. Develop it, yeah. 100%. And then, yeah, and then he's like, oh, okay, I see that. And he's like, well, do you tell people what you're going to try and do before you do it? And I was like, well, not verbally, but I was like, it is a language. They'll, yeah, like, pick up on the yeah, movement. It, it is. It's crazy. And now it makes me think about a lot of stuff differently. Like I used to look at like dancing, for instance. Rhythm. And yeah, I'd look at people and I'm like, it, it seems like so crazy to me that they can like remember. I'm like, oh, they've got to remember all that. But it's not, you're not remembering no. it. You're just, you're talking. Yeah. But it's with your body. So when he said to me that, um, do you tell them what you're going to do? I'm like, well, kind of, because I, I am setting up these positions. When I and when I do an arm drag, that's me telling that person what I'm about to do next. There's only a few options. There's things that you go to from there. Or when I do this with my legs, that's telling them what that I'm going for this kind of pass. So you are telling them, but it's just not verbally. Mm. And I've never done anything in my life where I can like, explain something physically like it's really it's a really cool thing to like you are learning a language you don't have to tell i don't have to tell you hey i'm about to do an armbar you know the language that i'm speaking i'm talking to you and you know that motherfuckers oh, your hip goes up. this way oh, all right exactly. here comes this all very rhythmic yeah like, like they say history repeats itself mm. it doesn't it rhymes so when you look at the armbar there's only so many reactionary ways that it goes that it, it yeah. almost, there's the there's the rhythm there's the rhyme yeah you're just the notes yeah you playing an instrument basically yeah, yeah. i had one guy and I, I, I sort of pt a little bit and, and hold pads and whatever and i have one guy and he's like oh i'm trying to learn the combo that we did and i'm always like don't worry about the combo because the the at the end of the day the punch is the note the combo is like the what would you the bar yeah, yeah. The bar's always going to change. Yeah. So don't necessarily remember the combo. You need to know that combo at one eighth, one sixteenth, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just just know the notes, play the notes, and it's only a bad note by the next note that gets played. Yeah. 
So there's no bad note unless that note was just so terrible that he counters you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Yeah, it's super it's super cool to to think of it in that way. That, yeah. And concepts, it, man. I'm telling you, concepts. Yeah. Once you start to find concepts in, in everything, like even just life, mm. how how you deal with people, like make sure things don't turn into arguments, because once something's an argument, no one can win. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. So it's like stop that. All right, let's just sit, let's just chill. Yeah. Yelling matches, just stay calm. And that's comes from I think my understanding of jujitsu is when you've got someone trying to bash you, it's like fire. Don't fight fire with fire. Mm. Just cool down. Let them burn themselves out. Let them go for something. If they're starting to choke you, do the old fake and be like, eh, you're choking. Eh, and then they, they'll go harder and it's just like, no, you just burn your arms out. Yeah, yeah. Fake it, fake it, fake it. And then pew, play a bit of possum sometimes with those guys. Yeah. And that's the argument. It's like, all right, well, hang on a second. Let's, why do you see this? Why do you, why are you thinking this way? Yeah. Find it, work it, and then reverse it um yeah i think that like that controlling pace of people like when you when you see when especially in fighting you hear commentators be like oh he's really controlling the pace that's i guess again that comes back to that like action reaction thing that we were sort of talking about um but that when someone is fighting your fight or playing your game like it's so powerful when you can be the one that does control the pace of movement, control where something goes. Like that's a, it's a really crazy thing. And I, I didn't fully understand it until, you know, getting involved with jujitsu when someone's just fucking mauling you and you have no control over the pace at which that's going. There's no time to breathe. There's no time to rest for them. They're totally comfortable. Yeah. But you you're just getting completely dominated but then when you can do that to somebody else and you can like be slow and methodical and that but they still can't they're trying to speed up but you're not letting them so there's like it's a it's such a crazy it's just so so fascinating to me once you start to sort of go down the rabbit hole i guess it's so crazy yeah the the biggest i think when when you talk to people that don't understand or or they've never they don't really know what jujitsu is. Mm. Sometimes you can come across a bit like cult-like. <laughs> Dude, I was I was about to say like we we sound like people that are in a fucking cult. Oh, it's terrible, isn't it? it? It's it's hard. Like even yeah, like my we're so innocent and it's like ah oh, no, it's just it's it's oh, it's life changing. And then I go oh that's cult-like again. Damn it! Again, I'm trying not to do this. It's really hard to talk about jujitsu without sounding like you're in a cult. Yeah, so it's, hard. It's fucking crazy. But like yeah, it, at least we can like at least see it cross fitters are just like yeah. oblivious to it yep. it's just kind of like no 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 no, that's, that's quite cult like-ish and, and it's crazy because like pretty much if you can survive those first few months of jiu-jitsu you've you've demonstrated to a group of people that you've got your ego in in check yeah because if you've got an ego and they say it all the time in martial arts leave your Even ego at the, at the door, door don't all, yeah take it with you I, I think you need to have a bit of ego but it needs yep. to be in control like yeah. you need to be in control of it like I did a, a trip to Sydney, went to a new gym and I was, the first night I was at the gym and I knew I was going to be training there all week and I fucking had the best experience. It was at Anthony Perosh in Sydney and a fucking great group of people there. But that first night I was like, I'm only rolling with white belts and they're only going to be my size and I'm not going to get tapped and I'm going to fuck them up. And I did. And then, but then the next night was no more white belts for the rest of the week. It's only blues, purples browns and if there's a black well, i roll with anthony 
but it's like and i will get smashed by these people and you so it's like you i guess in that sense you were like running on ego that first night but it was a decision that you made and then you made a decision for the rest of the week to like leave your ego at the door so it's like you can use that in this lane to give you what you want out of it um in terms of like i want it because you know what it's like when you go to another gym like you said today you sparted a different gym and and you got clipped or you know it was like a fucking bit of a, a thing and it's like because when you go to a different gym that that dude's got his logo on his back you've got your logo on your back and there's that there is that ego thing that that happens there so for me like you go to those other gyms and there's a le- it's almost it's the closest thing you can get to a competition your product but yeah because there's no there's no friendship there but no. at your gym there is friendship you know their game you know what they're gonna do you you you've got a pace you're both comfortable at going at but yeah, you go there to a different gym and you know that's a comp situation. But if you just lived on that ego lane and you went every day at that gym and just smashed white belts for five days, you're not going to get shit out of that. Slight progression. Mm. Less than what there would be if you were to go there, not try smash and just play your game. Mm. The the it's a you'll find it eventually it's it's almost like you want to roll at their speed yeah and then where you can control without effort yeah so again concepts and that that concept or that mindset changed everything for me yeah okay when you go and you start a roll it always it's like a chess game uh, yeah. and there's, there's a the correlation between it is you start aggressively or you try and get your position, then you slow it down and you try yeah. and kill the pieces. And then you, I mean, this is, I'm not a big chess player, but that's, it's been, that's how it got explained to me by yeah. watching one of those, uh, whatever he was. He went and learned jujitsu, but oh, the chess player. I've heard about this dude. Yeah, yeah. I want to go, I'm going to write that down. I want to go. Marcelo Garcia is um, one of Marcelo's black belts. He's a guy that learned, learned anything in five days. Yeah, Tim Ferriss. Right. Oh, Tim Ferriss. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So the the chess player, world champion chess player, goes. You know, every chess game starts the same. At even I think one of those Sherlock Holmes, he was like, ah, I don't like chess. It's all the same. You start aggressive, you get your positions, and then you slowly take them out. Yeah, jujitsu is very much the same, and you'll find it. And it's almost to me, it almost frustrates me a little bit. You you're there, and you kind of just try and put a piece out, and that's your grip. Yeah, and then. To me, I'll find out how aggressive they're going to be by how much they attack my grip. Yeah, how strong they are. They either try and smash it and it hurts and I go, all right, we're on. Yeah. Or they play the game and they let you get that grip. They accept that grip, then they get their grip. and then they start and then now we're playing jujitsu, baby. And that's fun. But when you're there and you're constantly just trying to get a grip and they're just smashing your hand away and it's like, all right, Mm. we're on. Here we go. Yeah, and then it turns Away more into a fight. Than yeah, a, yeah. Then it, 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 for me now, it's not such a fight. It's it's more an un, it's a unhappy experience. Yeah. I try to make all my jiu-jitsu experiences happy and kind of fun for the both of us. Yeah. Like, sure, it's nasty getting tapped or whatever, and an armbar is nasty from start to finish, as it should be, but it's still like a, for me, it's a polite experience. I'm not putting my You're elbow. You're not snapping it on. Yeah, 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 exactly. I'm slowly, I'm getting my, I'm controlling the thumb, hitting my angle, hitting my leverage. Yeah. And, and using technique to its fullest. But it's kind of, it's a polite yeah. role. And it's, therefore, I, I feel politeness is kind of like a, a happy experience. Yeah. 
But if I'm there and I just grab my grip, next thing I'm pulling you down and I'm cross-facing you, it's not polite. It's not a good experience for you. Therefore, it shouldn't be happy. Yeah. And it's not fun. So keep it fun, keep it fun, keep it fun. Yeah. Well, mate, let's wrap it up. Yes, sir. This has been awesome. I've enjoyed talking jiu-jitsu with you because... It's my favorite thing in the world at the moment. No, oh, it's, um, it's fun, man. I hope people have enjoyed listening. Uh, so what is next for you? How can people contact you? How can people follow you? All that good shit. Oh, you can follow us on Instagram, ReeseLightning91. And on Facebook, I'm ReeseLightningMcLaren. Uh, also, if you jump on the One Championship app, yep. you can find me and follow me and then you'll get all the content content from One Championship. That's what I did. Mm. I went, got the app. You can watch all the fights for free. Yeah. Some banging fights on there. Don't, not proud of it, but I, I will claim it. I'm the sole survivor of a soccer kick. Oh, really? Oh, dude, that's right. I yeah. saw that. That was gnarly. Yeah. I got a coconut head. What can I say? That was full on. Like, so explain to people before we go what happened. Cause that was fucking wild. So they, they changed the rules not long after. And I didn't know that this was a thing that you could just do. Cause I was like, um, did anyone else see it? Just yeah. kicked him in the fucking head while he's on the ground. It, it was legal to kick the head of a granite opponent. So I was laying on my back and he pretty much just stood up and just soccer kicked me. Which was, uh, it's an experience. Man. And then you got up. And you were rocked, but you kept fighting. And then in like 20 seconds, you were back. Yeah, way I went. And I was just like, what did I just see? So everyone go and watch that because that shit was gnarly. When's your next fight? Have you got a fight yet? Nothing scheduled, but I'm hoping for a world title shot in November or December or whenever we get the call. Call it out. Call them out right now. We're gonna, oh. We'll put this on social media. And we'll ah. get angry. <laughs> nah, I try. Uh, I'm a company man. If, if the company comes a knocking. I'm there to answer. Uh, you know, I just like like to uh, compete. And but you think you've earned your shot? Yeah. Look, uh, I I got pretty much. They said that after my bout in Kuala Lumpur in March that I were to fight for the poor grammar. Yep. Uh, was my next bout was for a title. Uh, they then said, you know, do you want to wait or do you want to take another? I'll take another. Yep. So if, if that option comes again, wait or take another. I'll be taking another. Yep, sweet. And you can buy the Reese Lightning shirts from Author Supply Co. So I'm been rocking oh, oh, that. There we go. I'm running fan fanboy status right now. So and then you're running the Blackie shirt. I'm running I see. the Blackie. Shout out. He's coming on the podcast, but he wants to win first <laughs> before he comes on. So he was going to come on, but he had like the weight cut and stuff. So um, yeah, maybe we get both of you on here one day. Yeah, that'd be dope. I appreciate it, man. It was really fun. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, thank you. Have, thank you, you, have you done one like in studio like this before? I think one before. Yeah, sweet. Oh, well, I hope this was a... Oh, the other ones have been on the phone. Yeah. No, nah, I like the in-person stuff. Yeah. You go a bit deeper. I enjoyed it, man. I'd have you back whenever you want. So just uh, let me know and good luck for your next fight. And <laughs> we'll, um, yeah, definitely keen to train with you at some point. Yeah, man. Come down for a row. Walk, yeah. All right. Thanks, Gypsy Gang, for listening. And we'll see you next episode. You. Cheers, brother. Thank you.